Southern Liberal Talk host. Head on with Bob Kincaid is brought to you each night by Coal River Mountain Watch. Coal River Mountain Watch invites you to become part of the solution, part of a sustainable future, part of the uprising against mountaintop removal. Coal River Mountain Watch, CRMW.net. And now, from high in the hills of beautiful West Bicod, Virginia, here's Bob Kincaid on the Head On Radio Network. Well, howdy. First things first, all hail Brother Deacon Asa. If you listened all the way through the program last night, at the very end of what had been an intense and exhausting three hours, um, you know, talking about another another installment in the American Abattoir, well, you would have heard me say, oh no, the recording quit. Because uh, the, the, the C drive where I do the recording, I should probably figure out a way to not do it on C, but <clears throat> well, maybe that's weekend stuff. Well, it was full, and when it gets full, it just quits recording. So uh, I had no record, and um, I, I sent a message to Brother Deacon Ace, and I said, Did you have the third backup rolling? And he said, I sure did. So as a consequence, there's a there's actually a uh, podcast for yesterday's program, and that's all and that's entirely because of the good offices of Brother Deacon Asa. So again, all hail Brother Deacon Asa. It is Friday on the front porch here at the Horn. Probably Friday on the front porch where you are too, unless well, if you're listening live, that is. It's something on the front porch if you are uh, listening by a podcast. This is Friday, the 27th day of October 2023, the final Friday of October 2023. Uh, we have, um, what? We have uh, two more broadcasts after this in October. Halloween is Tuesday. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't the first foggy clue of what to wear. Uh, last year, I did pull together a uh, Dr. Frankenfurter costume, but I don't know what became of the elements of it. I had the green surgical gown, the curly black wig. I even had the cheesy great big pearl choker. I don't know. Because uh, I was going to go to a viewing, uh, a screening of uh, Rocky Horror last year, hence the Dr. Frankenfurter getup. Uh, but regardless, uh, well... I guess it's technically Halloween weekend. Hi, I'm Robin. Forgot that part. And uh, if you would like to be part of the Mary Wacky Zany real-time madcap multimedia extravaganza that takes place during the three hours in which this program is live Monday through Friday, 5 to 8 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, 2 to 5 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time, all time zones in between in the Great Globe Round, 
Well, uh, pop on in over at HeadOn.Live. There's a merry band gathered together that includes Anatole and Irish Dave and Ralphs and Squeaky and Theo, all capably moderated by Horn Chief Agronomist, Chief Mathematician, and uh, 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 Bud Trimmer um, Senior Status returning, returning to the trimming, Roger, in Oregon. It is Friday on the front porch, and there should be a button over at HeadOn.Live that makes it easy to get into the front porch if you would like to when you're listening live. Um, And we'll get at it in about an hour or so. You can also use the stress line, 844-843-4676, if you simply cannot manage the, uh, uh, the, the, the how to deal with the, the Skype group, and we'll get you in that way, too. Every program here, oh, and if you listen to the podcast, please like and subscribe and leave a comment. Um, I don't, I don't know. Um, why are you asking that question, Randy Radar? Uh, But at any rate, um, if you're listening to the podcast, please like, subscribe, leave a comment, tell your friends and neighbors, maybe share it on social media. That's how we will uh, slowly but surely grow this program as we head into our 20th broadcast year, our 19th broadcast year as a standalone um, Internet broadcast. And every program here at the Horn begins with gratitude, and this program is no different and as a consequence, we say thank you to our uh, 27th day of the month PayPal subscribers, of whom there are none. So now we have gotten to the point where there, there, we have two days where there are no, are no subscribers whatsoever. So none on the 27th and none on the 21st, I think. But thank you so much late in the program yesterday because I just didn't I didn't have the heart to fundraise on the day of a slaughter. Uh, but thank you to Brian and thank you to Ralphs for jumping in and keeping it from being a zero nonetheless. Uh, that means the fundraising stands at 1450. Uh, this week is unfunded. So unfunded except for fifty dollars of last Monday. So thank you, Brian. Thank you. Ralphs. Um, we'll just see where the we'll see where this uh, where the day carries us. If you'd like to help help out, PayPal button is at headon.live. And uh, if you want to do Patreon, that's on the uh, yeah, that's on the contribute tab at headon.live. So where do we begin this evening? Uh, last I checked, and I did check just before the uh, just before the program began. Uh, and the manhunt is still. 
the manhunt in Maine is still on. They found his car down at a boat ramp on the, uh, what is it, the Anascoggin River, something like that. And um, the uh, killer had both a boat and a jet ski. So at this point in time, it may be uh, more of a manhunt than, uh, or more of a more of a body hunt than a manhunt. I'm guessing he's probably dead, but I could be wrong. Last night we had a story. Uh, Clarence provided it to us. Uh, that they thought they had him holed up, but I didn't see anything further after that. So, there, like, like I said, there are several places we can begin as we uh, move into this Friday conversation. Again, we'll, uh, we'll go over the river and through the woods to the old holler tree we sublet from the Keebler Elves, uh, wherein we keep the extraordinary ordinary round table, gather around that in about, oh, 50 minutes. I guess we could start with a little bit more information about hashtag Mullah Mike, you know, the new Speaker of the House, second in line to the presidency. There's a horror. Yeah, Steve, you're not wrong. I was thinking the same thing. Uh, the uh, main massacrist, Steve in New York, says, uh, this reminds me of Rambo's first movie, yeah, First Blood. The only thing is, Rambo never murdered m- murdered people on family night in a bowling alley or attacked Schmengi's uh, uh, Bar and Grill. And here's another little piece of trivia. Is it just me, or does anybody does anybody else wonder if Schmengi's Bar and Grill, if there really is a Schmengi? Because wasn't that the brother polka playing accordionist duo from Second City TV? I know, long time ago, but it, yeah. Well, weren't weren't those weren't those two guys named the Schmengies? Didn't they lead like tour groups to Eastern Europe? John Candy was part of it, and uh, what uh, wasn't Joe Faraday? Um, maybe maybe it was uh, John Candy and Eugene Levy. Just trivia, just trivia. Uh, Randy Radar says the new speaker sort of looks like a younger Russell Crowe of a beautiful mind movie fame. And he may just be that unhinged, too, because we've got information to suggest that is, in fact, the case. Pardon me, before we get started, though, pardon me if I have a righteous little giggle and share it with you. Sometimes you just see a headline, like, are you even paying attention? 
This is a headline from Bloomberg News. Nikki Haley. Get the hockey puck. Nobody else, nobody else in broadcast would need the hockey puck except this fa- little family community congregation. Because, well, we apparently know more about Nimrata Haley than others do. Uh, okay, you got the hockey puck in. Good, 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 good. Nikki Haley's foreign policy savvy props up her long-shot presidential bid. And I read through it. Where's the part about Bonomo? But apparently she's in second place in New Hampshire and South Carolina, and she is described as being within striking distance in Iowa. And Jill Gustin, a 70-year-old Republican who works in real estate in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, said she has the best international experience of the candidates. We're a global village and the world's a mess. We need somebody who has the education, the foresight, and hopefully the intellect to deal with world issues. Jill, honey, can I call you Jill? Let me tell you about a day back when Nimrata Haley, her name's Nimrata, by the way, in case you're wondering, Jill, not Nikki, any more than Bobby was Piyush Jindal's name. They just hide that so you won't feel so much like they're not quite like you, Jill, because they're Republicans. But let me tell you a time, Jill, about a time when Nimrata Haley was the U.S. Ambassador to the United Nations. She got a phone call one day, Jill, and she had her executive assistant put it through to her because it was a very important phone call, Jill. Jill, it was a it was a phone call from the president of Poland. And of course, the president of Poland had a thick Slavic accent, so Nimrata Haley knew it had to be real. And so she carried on a running conversation with the president of Poland. In fact, Jill, if you were to go back in the archives of this program, you might even hear the recording somewhere along the way. We had it once. And, of course, she had a very serious conversation with the president of Poland because any conversation between the United States ambassador to the United Nations and the president of Poland would necessarily be a very, very important conversation. And then they got around to, the president of Poland did, the president of Poland got around to asking, asking Nimrata Haley, the United Nations ambassador, or the United States ambassador to the United Nations, uh, the president of Poland got around to asking her about her position on the uh, trials and tribulations of Bonomo, a small island nation off the coast of, I think, Vietnam, perhaps. And Nimrata Haley, uh, well, she she manifested that, that diplomatic approach of 
saying a lot without saying anything. You see, Jill, she'd never heard of Bonomo. Nimrata Haley hadn't. She, with her, uh, what's Bloomberg say here, her foreign policy savvy. And she'd never heard of Bonomo, Jill, because, well, Bonomo doesn't exist. Because it wasn't the president of Poland on the phone. It was the morning zoo crew from Moscow 98.8, the vulgar boatman. And they made a complete ass out of Nimrata Haley. Because Nimrata Haley knows just how smart she is. Right, Jill? Right, yeah. <sighs> Bloomberg says Haley has continued to pick up support thanks to her experience with international issues, a rarity among current GOP candidates. Also a, r- a rarity among GOP voters. She is, in a word, picking up support among people who mouth-walk and knuckle-breathe and pick their teeth with their toenail clippings. Jill, and apparently you, Jill, are one of them. And she's flexing her muscles, uh, Nimrata is. Yesterday, she went on Shitter and posted a shit. And she said that uh, she would come down much harder on anti-Semitism in the U.S. Us. U.S. Did you ever think about that? U.S. United States. Us. It just dawned on me. But she said... Oh, she'd pull schools federal funding if they didn't combat anti-Semitism in all its forms. And then she would proceed, I'm sure, to define anti-Semitism as anybody who ever brought Bibi Netanyahu a cold cup of coffee. Or saying something less than uh, uh, fawning about Israel. But I figured we needed a giggle to get this... uh, Friday on the front porch started. And having a headline that has Nikki Haley and foreign policy savvy in the same sentence is absolutely hilarious. Okay. um, The Schmengi brothers, Stephen New York, reminds us uh, the band was the Happy Wanderers from the fictional country of Lutonia. Don't tell Nimrata. Ixnay on the Utonia way, being fictional, Faye. And yes, it was John Candy and Eugene Levy. Thank you, Steve. Um, uh, meanwhile, Matt in San Francisco says, I don't like Mike. The more I learn about Mullah Mike, the more I think he has a woman locked in his house in the, uh, uh, that they call Of Mike, and his wife refers to him as Commander Johnson. Side note, says Matt, and believe Matt when Matt says something like this, because this is, Matt says he sets off my gaydar something fierce. Matt has extremely finely tuned gaydar. So when the klaxons go off for Matt in San Francisco, 
Yeah, you can know that you, you can you can know that there's a solid tone lock. You know? Yeah. Of Mike. Is is that the is that the woman who spent uh, several days on her knees in prayer? I, I think so. And as to, uh, well, Matt continues, Bonomo aid. 90% of Republicans agree with Nikki that Bonomo should receive increased humanitarian aid from the United States. Damn, Matt, you're off and running early. Probably need to get that aid right. Get on, get on that right away. I mean, we can kind of let Gaza and Acapulco hang fire. Bonomo needs us. But I'm. I, uh, by the way, thank you, thank you, Steve in New York. A fifteen dollar challenge is on the table, so that would get us down to uh, fourteen twenty. If somebody's got fifteen dollars that they'd like to turn into thirty dollars, courtesy of Steve. Thank you, Steve. But more and more is coming out about Mullah Mike, and he didn't make it any better in the wake of the massacre in Lewiston, Maine. Among other things, he's uh, said that the problem isn't guns. The problem is the human heart. And that a bad human heart makes for a mass murderer. Don't give him the benefit of the doubt. It does take a depraved heart to become a mass murderer. The problem, though, is that when that depraved heart has access to a weapon that can fire a hundred rounds of ammunition in a minute, ammunition that is designed specifically to cause massive damage in human bodies, well, then, yeah, it kind of is the guns, Mullah Mike. And, of course, uh, via Midas Touch Network, they've gone digging around. Mullah Mike really is a mullah. He's a preacher. Mullahs are preachers. While preaching a sermon in 2016, Midas Touch said, Johnson blamed mass shootings on the teaching of evolution. He was given a sermon at the Christian Center in Shreveport, Louisiana. I'll bet our... Uh, our buddy, ba I bet our buddy Jack knows exactly where that is. Uh, in that sermon, Mullah Mike said, Some of you were around in the late 60s. You remember uh, what that was about? The counterculture revolution. Woodstock and drugs and peace and free love and all that. But it was more about the undermining of the foundations of religion and morality. Just real quick, let's be, 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 be cognizant of something. 
Mullah Mike is considerably younger than I. My witness of the 1960s was that of a five to eight year old. So Mullah Mike doesn't really know, and this is a complicated historical term, dick about the 1960s. Uh, Because if you remember in the late 60s, we invented things like no-fault divorce laws. We invented the sexual revolution. We invented radical feminism. We invented legalized abortion in 1973 where the state government sanctioned the killing of the unborn. All these things happened, Mullamite continued, because as collectively as Americans we began to get together in growing numbers and thumb our nose at the Creator and say, we don't believe that anymore. We're rejecting the Founders' natural law philosophy in favor of moral relativism, and we're going down another path. The funny thing is, none of that's true. I mean, it's not funny. He's a liar. Feminism had been growing since the suffrage movement that began in the 19th century. But I guess Mullah Mike has never heard of Seneca. I guess he's never heard of Susan B. Anthony, except to the extent that the Susan B. Anthony Fund is a uh, radical, misogynistic, uh, tax-exempt grift dedicated to taking away rights to reproductive freedom from every woman in America. No, 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 because I, I, I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe radical feminism was born on uh, somewhere in hate in, in the hate Ashbury. the sexual revolution. And it all happened in that one house where the Grateful Dead came to came to be. Uh, especially uh and and then wonder what he has against no fault divorce. Oh I know what he has against no fault divorce. Because a woman seeking to get away from a man who's tormenting her should have to jump through hoop after hoop after hoop after hoop in order to get free. And so he continued in this sermon. Now, what we tolerate in moderation, our children excuse in excess. What happens when you fast forward another 30 or 40 years? We know that we're living in a completely amoral society. Again, I'd like to, and this is a little bit of a carryover from yesterday's program, I'd like to remind Mullah Mike that shootings such as that in Lewiston, Maine, 
were extremely rare in those wild-eyed, radical, dope-smoking, acid-dropping, bra-burning 60s than they are now. Oh, you caught that, didn't you, Tom? Tom and Sonny San Rafael noting Mullah Mike. Wait, I thought it was wife who was <coughs> going down that path. Ha! <laughs> yeah, I had the same thought, but well, sometimes, sometimes I sometimes I leave the punchlines out there for y'all. Yeah, well played, Tom. Well played. Uh, Brother Deacon Asa says, uh, Re Mullah Mike doesn't know Dick. Based on what Matt just told us, Mullah Mike should know Dick quite intimately. So, too, Matt ain't alone in his sentiment. I knew Mullah Mike had sugar in his tank the moment I laid eyes on him. Sugar in his tank. Brother Deacon. Scary Jerry says, uh, MAGA Mike is the most terrifying thing that happened this week. He's a true believer. If gaydar's a thing, then apocalyptic notifications are also a thing. Shout out to all my Seventh-day Adventurers. Doesn't MAGA Mullah Mike seem like a National Sunday Law kind of guy? I wouldn't even book that bet. Wonder what kind of boat I need to get to Cuba. I'm not joking. It's like Alex P. Keaton left business school and joined a cult and ran for Congress. I think it's a wrap, Robin. I'm just waiting for the Christo-fascist Nazi symbol, N-A-X-I. Yes, I spell Nazi with an X now. Nazi. Somehow that almost, that, that makes sense. Uh, as to Susan B. Anthony, Lee in New York says, Susan B. Anthony, also one of the worst dollar coins ever made. Size of the quarter, color of the quarter, same reeded edge as the quarter. Lee adding my two cents in New York City. Well played, Lee, well played. Uh, Angelo writes from the People's Republic of the Bronx, Mullah Mike Johnson. Much, if not all, of what Mullah Mike had said was debunked by Stephanie Kuntz in her books The Way We Never Were and The Way We Really Are. Mullah Mike takes his cues from the works of one, haha, there he is, R.J. Rush Dooney, a far-right Calvinist theologian. He's the one who started the homeschooling movement and is considered the father of Christian Reconstructionism. Yep, Looney Rush Dooney leads right up to Mad Mullah Mike. And the thing and and understand, because their orange god emperor insisted upon it, every Republican voted in favor of Mullah Mike. For instance, we have this little gem. Uh, courtesy of Matt in San Francisco, in which Mullah Mike got into it with a doctor during a congressional hearing. As Matt in San Francisco notes, this guy is knuckin' futz. 
uh, he very much is. House Judiciary Committee holds hearing on abortion care access. Might want the ho- uh, might want the hockey puck again. This might be an, uh, an evening for keeping the hockey puck handy. Abortion care, the stated topic today, is of course an oxymoron. But the timing and the obvious purpose of this hearing today are unconscionable, and they are profoundly damaging to our institutions. Democrats are engaging in a brazen attempt here to intimidate and bully the justices of the Supreme Court as they consider a challenge to Mississippi's pro-life law. As soon as the draft opinion was leaked, their activists on the left began to picket and harass the justices and their families in their homes. Democrats have threatened the justices by name in the press, on the steps of the Supreme Court, and in recent briefs to the court. And now, in this and previous Judiciary Committee hearings, we have jurisdiction over the American system of justice. And the fact that we would be here trying to influence a pending opinion is unprecedented and dangerous to our institutions. So much for the Constitution, our system of justice, and our critical foundations in the principle of judicial independence. There is no right to abortion in the Constitution, period. Never was. It's not in its text. It's not in its structure. Not in its meaning. Roe invented the right out of thin air, and it was highly criticized from the moment that it was... Uh, No, he's wrong. But then again, Mullah Mike is a liar, because Mullah Mike will say anything in advancement of his toxic faith. Roe, the, the right the right to reproductive care was not invented out of thin air. It had existed in one form or another for almost since the beginning of the republic itself and well in times well before that. But in point of fact and this and and this has always been their t- real target uh The, uh, uh, the the right to privacy, as it was originally enunciated years before, in a case from Connecticut, about birth control, gave rise to Roe v. Wade. Billable. Mullah Mike and knee pads. Since Mullah Mike's wife Kelly spends so much time on her knees, do you have the address to which we can send knee pads to Mullah Mike to prevent Kelly's knees from getting sore? (laughs) I'm going to leave that one alone. Uh, MAGA Mullah Mike, Lee in New York, says, I believe the 3M company should sue for copyright infringement. Published. And and this has imposed a tragically consequential and a court-created social policy on the people of our country. And as a result, as was said a moment ago, almost 65 million of America's unborn children have perished because of it. Because there is no right to an abortion in the Constitution, that question is left to the states for the people to decide. This is long overdue, and after nearly a half century, we are very hopeful and grateful that that might finally happen. Ms. Goodwin reminded us just a moment ago that facts matter. So let's talk about the underlying facts, because the facts and the law and the logic and the advancements in medical technology are clearly on the side of life. As the Susan B. Anthony uh, list, you know, the life of fetuses, not the life of mothers, not the life of children in being, 
to that in being term being something that Mullah Mike Wright might remember from his law schooling days. A life in being. Do you remember your rule against perpetuities there, Mullah Mike? Yeah, a little wad of tissue is not a life in being. That's why when the king died in the Middle Ages, leaving behind his queen, she would be confined for nine months to make sure there was no heir. Because she had to wait those nine months before there could be a life in being. If she started to show, they wouldn't turn her loose and say, well, okay, we're, no. They had to let her go all the way and give birth because at birth that, that little heir to the throne, potentially, would have become a life in being. At birth, Mullah Mike. At birth. But understand that everything you're hearing here They're all talking points generated by the Alliance Demeaning Freedom, whose coin Mullah Mike accepted with great relish, and whose agenda he will vigorously pursue in his position as Speaker of the House. Just so we're clear. Just summarizes it well, quote, the humanity of the unborn child is undeniable now, thanks to advances in modern medicine and science. At six weeks, an unborn child has a beating heart, and by 15 weeks, unborn children can suck their thumbs, have fully formed noses and lips, eyes and eyebrows. Oh, wait, wait. At six weeks, it has a beating heart. No, it fucking doesn't. It has electrical impulses that come across as heartbeats, but are not. This is, of course, one of the biggest lies of the, anti, of, of the anti-woman movement, the misogyny movement. And, and, and what's he, at 15 weeks, the, the fetus can suck what, Mullah Mike? Are, are, we, are, we talking about, uh, are we talking about some pervert Republican preacher already? Oh, quote. The humanity of the unborn child is undeniable now, thanks to advances in modern medicine and science. At six weeks, an unborn child has a beating heart, and by 15 weeks, unborn children can suck their thumbs, they have fully formed noses and lips, eyes and eyebrows, and they can feel excruciating pain. These children deserve a voice in the American democratic process. In the recent Dobbs argument before the Supreme Court, Chief Justice Roberts pointed to the fact that the U.S. is an outlier to the vast majority of other countries' viability standards. He said, quote, when you get to the viability standard, we share that standard with the People's Republic of China and North Korea. It is unconscionable to think that the United States is one of only seven countries that allows for abortions for any reason after 20 weeks. In our nation's birth certificate, we boldly declare that it is a self-evident truth. Our nation's birth certificate. Human beings are made by their creator, and they are endowed by him. Since when is the Declaration of Independence our nation's birth certificate? Gee, Mullah Mike, is that the short form or the long form birth certificate? This guy's dangerous. This guy's a full-on fascist. And what Scary Jerry said a little bit ago? 
Uh, it's like Alex P. Keaton left business school and joined a cult and ran for Congress. I think it's a wrap, Robin. Just waiting for the Christo-fascist Nazi symbol. Nazi symbol. Sure feels like that, doesn't it? With certain inalienable rights, the first listed is the right to life for obvious reasons. All three of the Democrat witnesses here today support and advocate for what they say is unrestricted abortion on demand. Let me ask Dr. Robinson. I could go to any of them, but you're the medical doctor. Based on your well, let's hold up. He's got this thing with enumeration. He thinks the First Amendment is the most important amendment, as we saw yesterday. He thinks the First Amendment is the most important amendment because it's the First Amendment when there is no historical uh, there there is no historical reference point for that. But of course, he's a he's a he's a he's a goddamn Christo fascist, so he can just lie, and the people who believe the same shit, uh, toxic shit, as he does, will just go along with the lie. Because that's how it is among liars. On the other hand, however, this, uh, oh, the first listed right is the right to life. Yeah, see, you got another problem there, Mullah Mike. Because those lives were not deemed lives until they had taken the first breath of life. You know, like it says in your Bible. Mullah Mike. Your website, your testimony today, you clearly support the right to abort a 20-week-old unborn child. So I, I would love for you to explain to us, in your medical opinion, at what point in pregnancy should having an abortion no longer be an option? Thank you for the question. As a medical doctor, I understand that every pregnancy is unique and different. I also understand that patients need to have access to care pregnant people as the pregnancy progresses, and that may be for various reasons. Okay, let me ask so you, do, do, let me ask you, do you support the right of a woman who is just seconds away from birthing a healthy child to have an abortion? I think that the question that you're asking, asking does not realistically reflect abortion care. In that in scenario, would you, would you support her right to abort that child? I won't entertain theoreticals. It's not a theoretical, ma'am. You're a medical doctor. I am a medical doctor, and that has never happened. Never in happened in your practice, ma'am, but it, it happens. How about if a child is halfway out of the birth canal? Is an abortion permissible then? Can you repeat your question? If a child is halfway delivered out of the birth canal, is it permissible have, to have an abortion? Would you support the right for an abortion then? I can't even fathom that ever. And I'm not asking you if you can fathom it. If it occurred, would you support that abortion or not? That's unrestricted I can't abortion, right? That's a question that I can't imagine. I've just like you probably can't imagine what you would do if your daughter was raped. If it hasn't happened, it may be okay. difficult for you. You're to not going to answer this question, question, but how about this one? How does one qualify as fully human? What makes a human being? What makes a person a human being That's is right. them being born, number one. That's why wow. we have birthdays. And then also their individual DNA, them having autonomy, being able to act and think. Okay, but, but wait a minute. A newborn child lacks the immediate capacity. The a, a newborn child lacks the immediate capacity to make conscious, deliberate choices. So is infanticide okay? I think what we're here to talk about is abortion care. What you're describing is something that is already illegal, and there are laws on the books for that. So I'm not a proponent. But of see, you understand if Dobbs, if Dobbs is handed down. 
the states will be able to make that decision, and there are some that will go that far. You need to be aware of what we're talking about today. I'm out of time. I yield back. No, they will not go that far. The time has expired. The witness may answer the question. I'm sorry? I said the gentleman's time has expired. The witness may answer the question. Okay. Um, in the instance that he's describing, there are already laws on the books for that. Those are criminal acts, and so I'm not a proponent of any additional restrictions on people being able to access abortion care. I'm a proponent of us just um, enforcing the laws that are already on the books. But what if the law has changed you, to allow for that? The gentleman's time has expired. Because he always, you know, he's a man, so he has to have the last word. What a toxic, fascist, it's, it's breathtaking. Um, note coming in from Theo, Mullah Mike is nothing new. The late philosopher Eric Hoffer described Mike the Johnson in The True Believer with chilling accuracy. What monsters would walk abroad were some people's faces as unformed as their minds? What monsters would walk abroad were some people's faces as unformed as their minds? Yep, Theo, nailed it. But we're not done with Mullah Mike yet. Of course, uh, former member of Congress Gabby Giffords wasted no time. And... taking Mullah Mike to task. Or rather, Chris Harris, Vice President of Communications for uh, Gabby Giffords. Chris Harris said, You know what doesn't lead to gun deaths in schools? Teaching kids science. What does? Giving kids easy access to guns. Norm Ornstein over at the Atlantic just said, Lunatic... Uh, Goldie Taylor at the Daily Beast said, Speaker Fruit Loops. And uh, from time to time, we have uh, had great sport about the Ark Park in Kentucky Stan. Supposedly a recreation of a boat that never existed. Um, and when he was uh, when he was founder and chief counsel of a Christo-fascist uh, tax-exempt grift law firm, they got about eighteen million dollars in form in the form of sales tax rebates for the Ark Park. He did that while he was, and he is the founder of the Alliance Demeaning Freedom. Actually, no. 
he worked there. Then, when he left the Alliance Demeaning Freedom, he founded Freedom Guard, another tax-exempt grift stealing from the commons of the United States, and was hired by Answers in Genesis, and that's Ken Ham's outfit that runs the Ark Park scam, and got massive tax rebates from the state of Kentucky. Commonwealth of Kentucky, I'm sorry. Johnson was among a team of attorneys engaged to press a federal lawsuit described by the Answers in Genesis President and Chief Executive Ken Ham as involving freedom of religion, free exercise of religion, freedom of speech in this great nation. Oh, wait, Ken Ham, I'm sorry, I'm doing it wrong. Ah, freedom of religion, free exercise of religion, freedom of speech in this great nation of America. Yeah, Australia is to blame for Ken Ham. And Mullah Mike said that uh, the Commonwealth of Kentucky was engaging in, wait for this, I've never heard of this before, mainly because it doesn't exist, viewpoint discrimination. They have decided to exclude this organization from a tax rebate program that's offered to all applicants across the state. And said that there were a few radical secularists and others who are misrepresenting the U.S. Constitution. A Constitution of the greatest country in the history of the world on earth now, today, forever, in the universe, under God. Amen. just gets worse and worse and worse. Because uh, in 2018, Mullah Mike accepted an invitation to deliver the keynote address at a Bible conference. But it wasn't just any Bible conference. It was a Bible conference hosted by Pastor Kevin Swanson. Kevin Swanson asked and Mullah Mike accepted. And Kevin Swanson's claim to fame... is that his primary purpose in life is to encourage the murder of LGBTQ plus people. Kevin Swanson was actively engaged in propping up the anti-homosexuality bill in Uganda. In 2015, Kevin Swanson said, in no uncertain terms, that gay people should be put to death. That's not all, though. I mean, these are just the people, these are just the people that, I mean, you're, you remember when uh, Godzilla from Wasilla was running around out there saying that Barack Hussein Obama pals around with terrorists. 
Well, Mullah Mike pals around with a guy who simply wants gay people murdered. And he also says that uh, uh, the Girl Scouts and the movie Frozen turn girls into lesbians. And said that natural disasters happen because of gay people. And additionally, women who wear pants. That whole business of, of Mike Kelly Johnson spending all those days on her knees becomes clearer and clearer. She apparently was not wearing pants. Kevin Swanson once said that he wanted the Rose Bowl Parade to have a float where in which a gay person is stoned to death. At one point he wanted country singer Casey Musgraves lynched for promoting homosexuality. He went so far as to say that marriage equality no really marriage equality is just like the Sandy Hook massacre uh, it was flooding and fires in Colorado that he said were uh, uh, brought on by decadent homosexual activity and women wearing pants well, what about the non-decadent homosexuality? You know, where, where I mean, there, there's just, you know, there's some candles, some scented candles maybe, and a little bit of soft music. Nothing decadent about it. Well, again, they sure do spend a lot of time thinking about gay folks having sex. It's really quite gross. Oh, thank you, Nina. Uh, Nina jumped in and said, great show. And answered Steve in New York's $15 challenge. So we are now down to uh, $1,420 to go to get caught up. So we are... $70 into funding last Monday's program. Thank you, Nina. And thank you, Steve, for the challenge. And uh, that line where the doctor looked at Mullah Mike and said, well, that's why we have birthdays. Steve notes, that fucker is too goddamn stupid to understand that she just slapped that goofy file uh, smile off his face. I nominate her for a cowbell. And thus, it, so let it be... So let it be written, so let it be done. Moses, 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 I am thinking this Moses shall have been a fool. Uh, Emilio says, Mullah Mike is a terrorist, Mullah Mike is. Uh, and a missive from Dave and the Blind, Mullah Mike and Free Crucifixion, I believe that Mullah Mike is the reason I founded, uh, uh, founded my company. He's jumping up on the cross so much, we're going to give him frequent cruci crucifixion miles. 
this one entitles him to free internment in any in any of our participating two month uh, uh, two month cemeteries. I also believe he should be introduced to professors for calling because while he's a Trump unit, I believe that Professor Spicoli will have him uh, nailed. See, see what Dave did there. This is not an endorsement on behalf of Pr- Professor Spicoli, but still, the professor concurs. You dick! Yes. Uh, Leah New York notes, uh, my wife loves decadent chocolate cake. Decadent can be great. Well, you know, one mullah's decadent is a normal, decent person's romance. Uh, Proposed topic for Friday on the Front Porch from George and Corsgold. This is uh, off-topic but we can talk about anything on the front porch. Is it just me, or does college and pro football's illegal procedure or moving before the snap rule have no rhyme or reason? When I played high school football, it was down, set, and then hut, hut, etc. Now everybody's down in their stance. The quarterback barks out numbers, and then all of a sudden they all stand up, look at the sideline, and then gap back in their stance, and just before the snap, an interior lineman motions with his hand. What constitutes illegal procedure? And what does 180 mean? A confused nation wants to know, George. We will we we will hand this to the brain trust and uh, take a run at it. And meanwhile, uh, uh, Jim from Boston, nickname, my Johnson. My smelly Johnson. <laughs> oh dear. I think we've I think we've got him though. Mulla Johnson. M- well, Mulla Mike. Ma- Maga Mike is actually trending and has become the hashtag du jour for that. And thank you, George, for jumping in. We are now down to uh, thirteen ninety five. So we are one hundred and five dollars funded for. Last Monday. Thank you, George. Thank you. And we do, uh, we do have a significant. I mean, th- th- there's. We've barely touched on Hurricane Otis and Acapulco. Much like people in Gaza, people in Acapulco have no electricity. No access to clean water. No ingress or egress. One's a natural disaster and one was entirely avoidable. And one other thing. Hey, thank you, Billable. Appreciate that. I don't know if it's real or not, 
but now it's being picked up by, and granted, it's a little sketchy, outfits like Newsweek, and not just Newsweek, that big bad Vladdy Daddy may be dead. So we talked about the story that uh, circulated earlier this week. Uh, Ralph's made us aware of it. The, uh, she serving as the horn ad hoc uh, Vladimir Putin uh, myocardial infarction research committee. And so Newsweek writes, Earlier this week, a story that he had suffered a cardiac arrest led to headlines around the world. The Kremlin denied the claim, saying, Everything is fine with him. That's not exactly the same as saying he didn't have a heart attack. Well, he's fine. But the latest coming from the Telegram channel, General SVR, and this happened yesterday, says that uh, Pootie shuffled off this mortal coil at his uh, Dasha in Valdai, at 20.42 p.m. Moscow time yesterday, and that there is a coup d'etat underway in Mother Russia. Now doctors are blocked in the room with Putin's corpse. They are being held by employees of the Presidential Security Service on the personal order of Dmitry Kuchnev, who is in touch and receives instructions from the Secretary of the Security Council of the Russian Federation, Nikolai Petrushev. The security of President's Double has been strengthened, active negotiations are underway, any attempt to pass off a double as President after Putin's death is a coup d'etat. This is some next-level fucking psyops. There have been no sources cited, no evidence given. And so because it's a rumor and because it's a psyop, if he does show up in public, uh, there will, of course, be cries of, That's not Paul! It's right there! It, it, it's right there in strawberry fields forever! Oh, I buried Paul... You hired it all, didn't you? Oh, dear. So, who knows? Uh, the uh, General SBR uh, channel also says that the next in line is... Nikolai Petrushev and has been saying for a long time that body doubles are used to describe the ill health of Putin. Uh, Dmitry Peskov 
who is the presidential spokes creep, said that uh, uh, the rumor is absurd information canard. But he also is said to have said the same, same thing about rumors of a heart attack. But uh, RIA Novosti, the state-owned news agency, posted video today on its Telegram channel of Pooty up and about and attending operational meeting with members of Security Council. And this is just more in a long string of rumors. Um, Intelligence experts have said in the past that he's undergone treatment back in April 2022 for advanced cancer. The Moscow Times also in 2022 said that when when Pudi traveled to Sochi, from 2016 to 2019, that he was accompanied by doctors, including a uh, specialist in thyroid cancer surgery. And so that that Churchill, you know, that Churchill quote comes back. Uh, Russia is a what, a conundrum wrapped in a mystery, surrounded by an enigma, something like that. Uh, Scary Jerry says, uh, man into mouth Mike, <laughs> continued, say gay, I just finished working on a seven to ten minutes radical left-wing Christian comedy set been buzzing around my brain for almost a decade. The premise is that straight men shouldn't hate gay men, but should salute the rainbow flag and thank them for their service. Gay men are like spiders. They catch all the stray aggressive dick. Oh my God, scary Jerry. It's funny as hell, apropos of nothing, of course. Lee in New York says, read this with Russian accent. Das reports that dear president of Russia is alive and well. To prove, we have photograph from this morning. And includes a picture of John Fetterman. Okay, Lee. Uh, Emilio wanting more cheesy Russian accent. Vladimir Putin is fine. Putin. Play on words. No, really. There was no aneurysm. And you can't prove it. And stop saying that. He weighs 219 U.S. pounds. He is healthiest man in Russia. He lifts bears all the way over his shoulders, one in each arm. All the men love him, and the women want to be like him. <laughs> oh, that last line killed. That was, that was, that, that yes. <sighs> And let's see, let me change the connections here. 
we are into the second hour of the program. I think we should probably go over the river and through the trees to the old, old holler tree we sublet from the Keebler Elves. You know, I keep rooting around in there. Tree, root, see what I did there? Don't, don't, don't try that at all. I'm hoping maybe to find some old packages of Keebler iced raisin bars. Damn it, they're bringing back all the good cookies, but they haven't brought back the iced raisin bars, and I'm not okay. Haven't found any yet. Of course, them being elves and all the Keebler elves, not Tolkien elves. But them being elves and all, the cupboards can be kind of low. You could spend days on your knees in search. Uh, Jeremy, you may have missed the joke. Putin, Jeremy says, has never weighed 200 pounds. LOL. Now, speaking of the Fetterman photo, Randy Radar says, well, that confirms the myth of the seven-foot-tall Russian. Oh, that's a bit... That's a bit... uh, And just a, just a little bit of uh, juicy gossip. There's a bit, you know, since we've got Mullah Mike out there talking about the Homer sectionals and hanging out with uh, homicidal homophobes and the like, might be a good time. to uh, check in with the latest feud in the House of Representatives. And that feud appears to be between Jason Smith and Matt, it just gets worse. There's a little pressure on Matt, it just gets worse, because the House Ethics Committee is investigating him over accusations of sexual misconduct and illicit drug use. Is snorting Viagra and chasing it with Red Bull illicit drug use, or is there something we missed? And looking into... uh, the business of him and the underaged sex worker whom he paid off publicly via Venmo. Well, it all starts, and this is just so, this is so tawdry and so cheesy. Jason Smith, who apparently wouldn't pee on Matt Gates if he was on fire, which means I can at least 
find common ground with a with a, with a maggot in that regard. I wouldn't either. On the mark, you know, the goddess of irony just owns them, and they're so clueless they don't even know. It's kind of like what Steve said about the that's why we have birthdays, that he's too stupid to know he's just had his ass handed to him. Um, Mullah Mike. Uh, Jason Smith does not like Matt Gates. The vast majority of the Republican caucus does not like Matt Gates, and I still think we're miss- the, the Democrats are missing a golden opportunity by not filing a motion to expel him or amending the coming motion to expel George Santos to include Matt Gates. Because I think he could, I, I, th- I think the Democrats could get 82, 82 Democrat, uh, Republicans to go along with him and be, and be shed of him. But anyway, um, an invitation went out to Jason Smith, who runs, the, of course, runs the House Ways and Means Committee, which is uh, po- sometimes said to be the most powerful committee chairmanship in the Congress. You know, because the House has the purse strings and Ways and Means manages it. This is no time for tech troubles. Anyway, uh, an invitation went out to Jason Smith to appear on the, and I'm not kidding, Mark Cox morning show. Start your morning with Cox, right here on AM 790. I'm sorry, my my, my old DJ program director brain is always in the background and thinking about how you would do the imaging and promotion for, yeah. Every morning should begin with Cox. Well, he shows up on the Mark Cox morning show. And said, if Matt Gates's lips are moving, it's only lies that's coming out of it. That gentleman only likes to propel himself and propagandists. He sounds like a Democrat. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't, Jason. No, not even remotely. The blood is on his hands for 22 wasted days. Wasted days... Wasted days and wasted nights. Stop that, Robin. We have a $1,395 fundraising deficit. Well, this occasion to response on video, including a subscription banner, subscribe on Rumble to It Just Gates Worse. And Mag. Matt, it just gets worse. Is is angry? I'm telling you, angry. And he went there. Congressman Jason Smith is a Republican, though. When you hear what he has to say, it's not going to sound. And he has been one of the most loyal lapdogs for former Speaker McCarthy and for the lobbyists and special interests on K Street. See, Jason Smith has achieved power in Washington in a lot of the way most people do. You get money from the lobbyists and special interests. 
you in turn give that money to the party bosses for their political funds, and then they allow you to move up. And no question, Jason Smith has one of the most prime posts in the House of Representatives chairing the Ways and Means Committee, and they determine taxation. Well, you, you might say they determine those things, but in reality, Jason Smith moved a bill out of his committee that can never even get the votes and probably won't even make it to the floor. But he was asked about the remarks I made on War Room, and he was quite disturbed. Take a listen. So Gates claims yesterday on Steve Bannon's show that that he watched Kevin McCarthy repeatedly try to torpedo the individual candidates, including Scalise and Jim Jordan. Uh, what's your take on that, well, how that went down? Let me, ju- let me just tell you, if Matt Gates's lips are moving, it's only lies that's coming out of it. That gentleman only loves to propel himself and propaganda. He sounds like a Democrat. It's exactly what Democrats say. They accuse Donald Trump of everything that they're doing. Matt Gates is accusing Kevin McCarthy for everything that he's doing. The blood is on his hands for 22 wasted days for him to join with 100% of the Democrat Party to remove the Speaker of the House. He's Democratic all about himself. Party, a little prick. He's not about conservatism. He's not about Republicans. He's about himself. Interesting. Now, I mean, my perception is, that, I mean, why would the House vote? as they did to elect uh, Mike Johnson, who's clearly got the, the conservative base. I mean, he, he, he's like Jim Jordan, but they wouldn't elect Jim Jordan. Why? Because there was several holdouts from the Scalise world that was upset that Scalise didn't have the votes because a lot of the Freedom Caucus held out on, on um, Steve Scalise. So... It was all about individuals. You had the chair of the Appropriations Committee stand up and vote against you. Yeah, one question. Where's this guy from? The Appropriations Committee? Oh, uh, no. Um, funny, they don't tell us. Appropriations. Uh, by the way, Matt, uh, just because of where this is going to go, um, could you uh, could you calibrate your gaydar uh, for Jason Smith here, please? Jim Jordan, because she didn't like how Jim Jordan wanted to cut spending, and she was a main Scalise ally. So for for Matt Gates to say that kind of stuff, it's simply not true. I know the dynamics of the 20 people that voted for voted against Steve Scalise, the 25 that voted against Tom Emmer, and the 22 that voted against Jim Jordan. They were not the same people. They were all different people, and it was for different reasons. So Matt Gates is a foolish liar. A foolish liar. We are back live. Jason Smith says, if my lips are moving, I'm lying. Well, you know what? If Jason Smith is breathing, he is living a lie. Mm-hmm. There might not be another member of Congress who lives a lie every day more than Jason Smith. And Jason Smith knows exactly what I'm talking about. And by the way, so does almost every member of the House Republican Caucus. So there's a good deal of projection in Jason Smith calling me a liar when it's Jason Smith who who literally has to live a lie. And I honestly pity him for that because, you know, it wouldn't be something 
that uh, I wouldn't live that way. I'll just put it that way. So, Jason, uh, I would check yourself before you come at me with any accusations of, uh, of being dishonest about what I say when you're dishonest about how you live and what you do. He says, the blood is on my hands for 22 days of not, I guess, sending money to Ukraine or whatever else they wanted to do. If it took 22 days to take the gavel away from Kevin McCarthy and give it to Mike Johnson, those are the 22 most productive days that we have had in the 118th Congress. Because we not only have our man, but we have a plan for how to reduce spending. And, of course, Jason Smith doesn't want to do that. Because if we cut spending, then the lobbyists who fund his coffers will have less. And the American people will have more. And that's not what they want. And when you point those things out, it doesn't make you sound like a Democrat or even a Republican. Just somebody with eyes who can observe how the corrupt power centers of this town compromise people like Jason Smith and then flip them to do their bidding. Not the work that folks sent us here to do. We take six weeks off every single year just for members to go on vacation mostly. So 22 days to right the ship with House Speaker, I don't think that that's chaos. I think that that's constructive work to get to a better outcome. Uh, Yeah. I don't know what that sounded like to you, but that sounds like, uh, sounds to me like an outing. And by the way, Jason Smith is from the Missouri 8th Congressional District. He's been in the House since, well, for 10 years. Uh, He had previously served in the Missouri House of Representatives. He is uh, MAGA-adjacent, if not full-on maggot. Probably full-on maggot. Because remember, he voted for Mullah Mike after Nitwit Nero told all the Republicans to vote for Mullah Mike. He's got a B.S. in agriculture economics and a B.S. in business administration. Went to law school at Oklahoma City University. Getting a Juris Doctor in 2004. Practiced law at a little firm in Cuba, Missouri. Uh, but Matt, you know, if you're if you're if you're if Matt Gates, if you're just out there outing people, uh, now do the entire South Carolina senatorial delegation. Yeah, do Miss Lindsay and Tim. Where's the girlfriend, Scott? Yeah. Living a lie. Oh, uh, we have a we have a report in from Matt in San Francisco. Uh, Jason is queer as a three dollar bill. Apparently, he ran around with that other congressman, the good looking young one who left Congress and then came out shortly after. I can't remember his name though. Matt Gates is a piece of shit, but I'm all for outing closeted gays who vote against LGBTQ rights issue. I I, I concur. Because, among other things, uh, Jason Smith criticized the Supreme Court of the United States when they issued their opinion in Obergefell. Ta-da! 
Of course, I see all this, and the first thing that comes to mind is, uh, come on, let's you and him fight. Hope it doesn't hurt too little. And before I head over to the uh, front porch, one, thank you to David in Oregon. Thank you so much. That takes us down to uh, 1385. 1385 to get caught up, so we are uh, $115 into funding for last Monday. Thank you. And, uh, well, there was a... Jared Golden... And I mentioned this in yesterday's program. Jared Golden uh, did something almost unheard of. This is the statement Jared Golden made. Uh, and, and again, remember, he is a uh, veteran of the Marine Corps. And a year ago, he voted against an assault weapons ban. He has literally had a change of heart. And we could actually hear it if I would unmute the clip. Someday I'll have a producer. At a time like this, a leader is forced to grapple with things that are far greater than his or herself. Humility is called for as accountability is sought by the victims of a tragedy such as this one. Out of fear of this dangerous world that we live in and my determination to protect my own daughter and wife in our home and in our community, because of a false confidence that our community was above this and that we could be in full control among many other misjudgments, I have opposed efforts to ban deadly weapons of war like the assault rifle used to carry out this crime. The time has now come for me to take responsibility for this failure, which is why I now call on the United States Congress to ban assault rifles like the one used by the sick perpetrator of this mass killing in my hometown of Lewis and Maine. For the good of my community, I will work with any colleague to get this done in the time that I have left in Congress. To the people of Lewiston, my constituents throughout the second district, to the families who lost loved ones, and to those who have been harmed, I ask for forgiveness and support as I seek to put an end to these terrible shootings. In the days to come, I will give everything I have to support this community's recovery. Thank you. It would be really, really easy to be a complete bitch about this, but I'm not going to. It would be easy to say, well, how about that? After Uvalde, he, after, after children were chopped to chutney with semi-automatic weapons fire in Uvalde, he still voted to keep assault rifles legal. But it came home to him, and now he's repenting. But that's not how grace works. Not at all. One is glad anytime someone sees the light 
and repents of former toxic behavior, which Jared Golden did, and good on him for it. And I hope he will find colleagues who will get behind a bill, but he probably he will not find he will not find the necessary support among his Republican colleagues because, uh, as was printed in, New, in the New York Times, I think today, maybe yesterday, there are no moderate Republicans in the House, and not much in the way of them in the Senate. And just from a matter of, of, from the standpoint of reality spoken here, if by some unfathomable miracle an assault weapons ban were to make its way out of the House, it would die in a pool of blood and dust on Mitch McConnell's desk. Because, you know, there in Kentucky, where I'm from, uh, we need our semi-automatic uh, 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 assault rifles so that we can go squirrel hunting. Deer hunting, and elk hunting, all kind of hunting. And I know my dear friends down in places like Louisiana and South Alabama and Florida and Georgia coastline, they need AR-15s to go gator hunting. Uh, but I appreciate him doing that, and the reason I bring that up is because If, in fact, Jason Smith is a gay man, and if, in fact, he is living in the shadows of the closet, a paraphrase from the Elizabethan poet Andrew Marvell comes to mind. The closet is a fine and quiet place. But none there in love do dare embrace. He could come out, repent, both of his homophobic behavior and of his republicanism. And the funny thing is, because the Democrats are tolerant, and beyond tolerant, accepting, he would be welcomed with open arms. But that's another thing, that's another thing that ain't going to happen. But now it remains to be seen if other members of the Mutiny Caucus will get behind Matt, it just gates worse. Now that this opening salvo has been put across Jason Smith's bow and out him in toto. Don't know. So anyway, we're at the halfway point of the program. Let's pop over to the old holler tree and uh, uh, see what's ha see what's happening in there. Hey, Roger, you around? Yeah, I'm here. Hot diggity. I've, I've been uh, kind of AWOL the last few days, and i got a few more days to be AWOL, but 
I'm here for today, anyhow. Glad to have you. Uh, it, I've, I've got uh, 11 uh, quarts of apple cider that have finished up their processing time. So I'll be uh, jumping off here in a minute to, to get them out of their hot water. But they're sitting on the on the old outdoor stove and cooling down after they got their 10 minutes of boiling water bath. So Now, is, the, is, is this fermented apple cider or just pressed? Just pressed. We, we pressed it this morning, and uh, where we were doing it, instead of doing the processing time there, I brought it home and did it here. I mean, if they're going to give me the – I mean, I had to turn the crank and cut, and Patricia cut and sliced and all that kind of stuff. But uh, if they provided the apples and all I had to do was some work, I decided I'd use my propane to – process them rather than use their propane. I figured donating the apples and the cider press and all that was enough for their generosity. So, Just out of curiosity, what kind of, what kind of apples? Uh, variety. Uh, looked like yellow delicious. And then there was a red-skinned apple, and then there was a dark green-skinned apple that uh, probably a Gravenstein that uh, they use more for pies and cooking. But a blend of apples, and you grind it all together, pour it in a big pot, heat it up, pasteurize it, put it in a quart jar, process it, and it goes on the shelf until you get around to drinking it. That sounds yummy. Oh, yeah. Any, well, any apple juice is good. I mean, I don't know whether you want to call it cider or juice. I, to me, they're the same. But, uh, yeah, I blend up different varieties of apples and juice them out and can them up and... Now you got apple juice too. I always assumed that apple cider was a little less filtered. Uh, well, if you go buy apple cider in the store, it's really clear. But when you make your own, uh, it's always got cloudiness into it, no matter how much you filter it. I don't know how the commercial folks do it. I just grind the apples, and uh, I mean this this was had the old hand cranked little knife edges on a wooden block grind them through and you get pretty good sized chunks my personal way that i used to do it when i had the farm was i had a garbage disposal mounted into a countertop i mean okay i'm doing all this outside so it's not the countertop in the kitchen but a countertop and you mount a garbage disposal into the countertop and you throw the quarter to half apples into the garbage disposal and it spits them out into a five-gallon bucket, and they're ground really, really fine. And then you put them in the press and squeeze them out, and you get a lot more juice out of each five-pound box of apples or whatever than you do with the uh, tooth grinding wheel that, that comes with your modern hand-crank cider press. But that's just the way I did it. They're going to switch over to a garbage disposal for next year. But anyhow... That's how I spent my morning, and then uh, as people are aware, the last few days when I've been AWOL from the chat room, I've been uh, <clears throat> taking the uh, stems that have been hanging and drying and peel off the fan leaves and breaking the nuggets off the stems, and that picture I posted a few days ago, that bin has now been uh, totally filled. It took two days to fill it up. And now it has to go through the, the machine to trim off the little tiny leaves on each bud. And we probably, I don't know, right now we've probably got 20 pounds and we're headed more toward 50 to 70. 
by the end of the harvest of nicely trimmed bud. But as I say, I got a few more days to do that. But anyhow, getting back to an earlier tidbit here in the program uh, on no fault divorce. I'm not sure it was the first person that ever thought of it, but the incredible proponent of it and managed to get it pushed through the California legislature <clears throat> excuse me, was none other than Ronnie Reagan. Because when he and Nancy Davis wanted to get divorced so he could marry more, no, Nancy, Jane Wyman got divorced so he could marry Nancy Davis. The law in California was that one or the other, there had to be a fault. Usually it was considered to be adultery. And according to the writings of the time, neither Ronnie nor Jane Wyman were having an affair with anybody. They just didn't want to be married anymore. But in order to get a divorce in California, one of them had to be accused and admit to adultery. And it was a lie, according to all the press reports. But I think Ronnie is the one that admitted to an adulterous affair, and that allowed them to get a divorce. So he pushed through the California legislature the irreconcilable differences uh, agenda so that two people could just walk into the courthouse and say, hey, we don't want to be married anymore. The judge kind of looks at one person and says, is this agreeable to you? And you say yes. Then they judge turns to the other person of the marriage and says, is this agreeable to you? And they say yes. And the judge says, I hereby declare your divorce. Pound the gavel, and it's over and done with. That's exactly how mine went. So uh, anyhow, for this idiot to get up and say that our problems of America today are because of uh, mutually agreeable divorce, uh, they're kind of going against their... Uh, Founding saint. Well, but you got to you got to you got to understand Saint Ronnie of Reagan, old six 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 himself, uh, would not be welcome in today's Republican Party. Oh, I understand that, but they they still allude to him every once in a while about how he founded the conservative movement in the United States and da 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 da. Anyhow, it's all bullshit. But I just thought I'd throw that little bit of California history in. Uh, to, you know, put it in the cauldron. Absolutely. The, the other one that came up is you made the comment earlier that Al Capone, oh, come on, the name in the town in Mexico. Um, Acapulco. Got hammered. Yeah, that, that it was kind of unavoidable. Um, it wasn't unavoidable. It uh, became the fastest known time of any tropical storm to turn into a Category 5 hurricane, the most of the people are saying in less than 24 hours, but actually it was 12 hours. Yeah, that's what I'd seen, 12 hours. 12 hours. Now, the reason I say it was avoidable is that it's the warm ocean that creates the energy for the hurricane to form. And that warm ocean is 100% due to something we call climate, climate change. change. Yeah. Because the oceans have absorbed something like 90% of the 
of the increased temperature due to climate change. So the absolute uh, abhorrence of the Republicans to deal with climate change is the direct cause of instead of a tropical storm sweeping through, it became a Cat 5 hurricane. So I, it's, it's that, I don't know how anybody can deny that little fact. In, in, well, it's a fact to me, anyhow, that it was the warm ocean temperature because not only did Florida have incredibly hot oceans this year, the coast of Mexico had and came up into California a very hot ocean. And I, I'm expecting some of our storms here in the Pacific Northwest are going to be wetter than normal because of the warm ocean. And I know in 1955 and in 1964, the generally speak, <coughs> speaking, the area of the California-Oregon border, a little bit into Oregon and down south, basically toward uh, Fort Bragg, got hammered with what they were determined to be called a pineapple express, a very warm air mass with lots of water in it that hit the coast range and dumped all kinds of water. But with a warmer ocean, it's even going to have more water. And the reason I pick 55 and 64 are that those were the two really, really bad flood years in the, the northwest section of California to, uh, I mean, rivers came down, wiped out bridges. If anybody's ever traveled the old Highway 101 called the Avenue of the Giants, there are places there where there's a pole that's about 15, 20 feet above the highway, and there's a little board on it with painted red and white line across there, and it, it denotes where the high water was in the 1964 flood. And... Uh, it, it, I made it in on the last bus from San Francisco to make it into Eureka in 1964. And uh, the, that area was simply totally cut off from anywhere for more than two weeks. And the only way anything happened was it came in by ship and was offloaded at Humboldt Bay and then transported around to, to wherever it needed to go. Uh, where I lived there in McKinleyville, after things got kind of put back together, we could drive about 40 miles north and about 40 miles south, and that was it. Uh, and you couldn't go east, but that was the only roads we had was about an 80-mile stretch of road connecting. You could not get from Eureka to Crescent City until the Army Corps of Engineers came in and started running a ferry boat across the Klamath River. And it took, I don't know, six months or so before the, the roads were fully open to traffic. But anyhow, Acapulco was, it was avoidable. Yeah, right, I agree, on a long term. Um, yeah. If we, you know, if the oil companies had not uh, withheld evidence and lied about it and over the course of a couple of generations, absolutely. And spent several billion dollars in getting Congress people elected that uh, would do their bidding. And it's interesting you would raise that issue because, lo and behold, 
the first piece of significant legislation passed under Mullah Mike uh, happened yesterday. The Energy and Water Development and Related Agencies Appropriations Act, it passed 210 to 199. And the primary purpose of that bill is to uh, take out behind the shed and beat to death uh, renewable energy and climate change uh, remedial programs that were included in the Inflation Reduction Act last year. Because, of course... Because there's always Planet B, right, Roger? Oh yeah, all we got to do is get Elon to send us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by the way, I had a note from uh, Ben, um, who said for some reason or another he can't get into the chat, the uh, Skype group. I don't know why. Well, I have no idea why. We've got six people in here now. Uh, I just did the normal start and uh, rang the group, and people started populating. That sounds a lot more exciting than it probably was. People started populating. Leave it alone, Robin. Uh, sorry. Uh, well, I don't. I don't know. I mean, you, uh, um, uh, Ben, try the button at the uh, top of Head On Dot Live. Maybe I, I'm not sure what's going on because I. I really don't have any idea how any of this magic works. It's uh, well, what what I have been using is uh, just the Skype group front porch, right? Uh, which I changed the name yesterday when I got home, uh, and it's held for today. I open that up, and then when you give me the word, I click on start call, then I click on ring the group. So anybody who's been in here before that didn't get removed by somebody or other, uh, gets a ring on their Skype device, and they can either accept it or ignore it, and the room goes. Uh, right. Yeah, that's my... So nothing's been done any different tonight than has been done in the past. And yeah, that I... was the way I was taught, uh, and I'm sure it's the way that this group has been going forever. So I just took over some duties on pushing buttons. Uh, anyhow. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. I, I got other things I can chime in with later if things get boring, but let somebody else have a chance. Oh, does it ever get boring? Come on. I can't. Well, I can save them for the back porch, too. Yeah, which is what happens after this program closes at around, you know, 8 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, 5 p.m. Pacific. Well, let's bounce around the room, see who, uh, see what's on anybody's mind. Uh, uh, Kevin, Massachusetts, or anybody else for that matter. Don't hide your light under a bushel. But, it's getting cool in Cali- It's getting cooler in California. Hey, Squeaky, how are you? I'm fine. Good. We're down in the 60s now, <laughs> on daytime. Uh, we have seen, the lowest we've seen it get here so far is the uh, low 30s. So we're on our way. I'm it hoping 40, it, it, was 40, it was 41 this morning here. I'm hoping that if the weather is at all cooperative, maybe Annette and I might take a little drive out our road here because there are some really pretty places where the, the trees overarch the little one-lane road. 
It's almost it's almost like a a, a a gothic vaulted ceiling. Only it's trees with all the autumn colors. Again, assuming the weather cooperates. And uh, going back to the Energy and Water Development and Related Agencies Appropriation Act, any time the Republicans get hold of anything that's good for America, you know it's in danger. So in this case, uh, according to The Hill, the bill cuts more than $5 billion in spending that was passed as the uh, part of the Democrats' signature climate tax and health care bill, which passed without a single maggot vote. Uh, the Hill goes on and says the legislation is unlikely to become law as the White House has threatened to veto it, but it represents the House Republican position on energy and water-related issues as they negotiate 2024 funding with the Democratic-led Senate and the White House. And as Jeremy pointed out, uh, they, also took a, they also took a swing at, uh, the, at, at, at uh, health care in the same bill. Because that's the judicial, that's the legislative vandals that they are. Uh, Steve in New York. Are you there? Bueller? Jeremy? David? Hey, I'm here. Robin. Oh. Oh. Okay, David, you go. Well, I was listening to you talk about um, the, um, I don't know, the kerfuffle, I guess is the word I'm going to go with, between um, Matt Gates and the other guy. And I was sitting here thinking, it sounds a lot like junior high school to me. Oh, very and, much so. And it's, 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 it's stunning. It's, I mean, people are watching this from around the world and they're basically throwing pie at each other you know it's really kind of embarrassing i think well and it's 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 it is dangerous to us around the world because uh china mother russia see this and they perceive weakness and you know this is not like september the 12th 2001 when the Democrats all ran out on the steps with the Republicans and they all sang the national anthem followed by a rousing chorus of kumbaya, the Republicans, uh, the maggots, would rather die than, uh, than, than rally around this government and stand shoulder to shoulder with their Democratic colleagues. Because they frankly despise this government, they despise this country. They want to remake it into a, uh, into, into a theocracy uh, every bit as toxic and pernicious as that of Iran. Only Christian. But I, I, I am I am in agree in agreement with Matt in San Francisco. Uh, if uh, and and his uh, Jason Smith's record indicates that he has voted against the LGBTQ community, and it could be that he that him being gay is an open secret. And so, is that necessary? Is that necessary? Kind of, you know, one of those John Houseman. He earned it. 
But the fact that Matt Gates is the one doing it, well, Matt Gates is scum. Pure and simple. Kevin, you were going to jump in. Good afternoon. Good evening. How are you? Oh, good. Just kind of putting together like leftover. Uh, I bought some already seasoned chicken, like hot uh, with some hot sauce. They're already in, like in a package with the chicken, and I kind of just browned it up, and then I took a package of yellow rice and put it in the the uh, Dutch oven here, and it's kind of kind of going low. I'm just gonna have that, and I have some leftover Chinese vegetables and rice, and I kind of put a little sauce in there, and just got that on low with with a cover. Trying to make use of everything I have. <laughs> uh, on the uh, five for twenty-five with the Wiggling Pig the other day, I picked up a package of, uh, um, and and I know it's a particular favorite of Todd's and mine as well. Those uh, boneless, skinless chicken thighs. Yes. Because I've had a hankering for something I haven't made in forever. It was a recipe I actually learned when I was down in uh, at CNN oh so many years ago. Uh, Indonesian peanut chicken. Ooh. And you can do it in a crock pot. You know, it takes a little bit of uh, uh, lemongrass, uh, some uh, coconut milk, some curry, some peanut butter, and you put that all in a crock pot, and away you go. So that may happen this weekend. That sounds dynamite. Yeah, with some... Uh, with you know, with some nice jasmine rice, that's oh, heavenly. Wow. So did you get that description I sent a couple of days ago in the chat room about? Remember that picture from 1933 when when uh, Hitler became chancellor and he's riding yes. in the car with Hindenburg? Yeah. Hindenburg. And I mentioned that uh, that Hitler was uh, what's that guy's name? The new speaker. I forgot oh, his name already. Uh, uh, Mullah Mike. Well, Mike, yeah, he's, he's Hitler, and then uh, Hindenburg is McConnell. I'm just trying to put that out there for everybody. Just, to, just to, if everybody's familiar with that picture, like McConnell's like the last. He's he's like he represents the Weimar Republic. You know what I mean? And and of course, uh, Hindenburg had said upon the accession of Hitler, "We will manage this, Hitler." Oh yeah, he's like a picture. Excuse me, I was chewing food. I'm sorry. Um, Hindenburg sitting next to Hitler, and the look on his face is like, "This guy's a fucking. This guy's a no. This guy. This guy's not going to be a problem." Even the look on Hindenburg's face was like he could. He wasn't, you know. And Hitler, on the other hand, was like, "Yeah. What did you just get yourself into? I don't know what happened to Hindenburg if they. Oh, he, they he, he, he died. Pretty sure. Natural causes, though they didn't—they yeah. didn't, didn't take them out. No, they, yeah. they, no. But yeah, I can, I can, I can see the analogy. I can, I can hear Moscow Mitch saying, "Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll take care of this, Mike Johnson. He don't know. I mean, he ain't hardly ever been there. Mm. He just might wet behind the ears. Probably ain't even learnt the rules yet. I think he's gonna. I think McConnell's gonna face some heat from this guy. He's, this guy seems like he's pretty well. Uh, I think they, like you said, they had a plan all along, you know. Yeah. But that whole delay was just a, a little charade, and uh, I mean, look what happened. 
all those Biden districts, I mean, they they folded like a house of cards. Whether they folded or, like you said, whether it, whether it was a plan all along. But maybe they're just scared for their lives as well. And, yeah. you know, I, I, I'm still not willing to say for they're sure that... Re-elect. I'm still not willing to say for sure that they're going to pass a continuing resolution. Because, but they're saying that, that uh, Mullah Mike is going to get a little bit of a honeymoon period, and mm-hmm. the, the 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 mutineers and the and the and the the ones who really really are dedicated to picking their teeth with their toenail clippings, uh, they're gonna uh, they're gonna they may let him by with a continuing resolution just to get where they want to go, but I don't put a lot of stock in that. But but any continuing resolution will also come with all kinds of uh, toxic maggot uh, talking points, which will at least in theory make it impossible for the Democrats yeah. to to vote for it. But it also yeah. it also faces the reality of the, that it has to go across the ho- across the building and be agreed to by the Senate. As well as being agreed to by the President of the United States. We'll see how this shakes out. I mean, McConnell's still got power. I mean, I'm not saying he's going to fold. He's got a lot of interests. He's got a lot of money that, you know, um, I'm sure he's taking a look back and taking a look at this guy and he's seen his rhetoric and it's like, you know, he knows that's not good for the country. Um it's not good for business either, but they don't care about business. You know, like you said, I mean, they don't care about this country. They don't care about business. They don't care about anything, nothing except their theocracy and their beliefs. I mean, this this country could go completely. And that's see that's, see, that's what happened. When the, you can make a comparison with Israel with Netanyahu. You know, he doesn't he didn't care either. He just cared about himself and his own political ambitions and his cronies taking care of them. And look what happened. They got they felt I mean, whether. He was complicit, completely complicit in that what happened or not. He was asleep at the switch or the people that were responsible, whatever. I mean, and the same thing could happen here. You know, there's the political ambitions of these people. <laughs> you know, they may say, OK, we got our theocracy finally. But guess what? Because now who's, now look who's coming. You know, you're going to have some foreign uh I'm not saying, you know, we're, we're protected geography by, by two oceans. So it's, there's that, but you know, you know what I mean? It's going to make things a lot easier for people to screw with us. If we're not, uh, you know, if we have a, a budgeting theocracy with a, with a military that doesn't know who to take orders from, literally, you know, true. I'm, yeah. Anyway. I'll yield to whoever else wants to. Well, we got. In. I mean, we do. We do have some interesting stuff uh, in the stack this evening that isn't absolutely soaked in blood. One of the th- one of the issues that we have talked about a lot, um, namely whether or not the American people are going to have access to seeing the trial of Nitwit Nero in federal court in D.C. Well, there was a there was a uh, uh, development. After a number of media outlets, you know, the likes of ABC News, CBS News, CNN, C-SPAN, petitioned the court saying the American people have the right 
to access some form of audio and video to this trial. Well, uh, per an order from Judge Tanya Chutkin, she has given Nitwit Nero until November the 10th, so that's basically two weeks, until November the 10th uh, to say whether or not he wants the trial to be televised. So that's... I think, it, as I've said before, I think it has to be televised. It simply must. So what if he doesn't want to, then what? Uh, she can overrule him, I think. I don't think I don't think he gets the uh, because the petition is from the media outlets, right? So she's going to rule on that request, but she's given him until November the tenth to say whether he uh, concurs or dissents. But isn't that kind of calling his bluff? Yes. In the in in that he's been going around saying what a witch hunt it is and how terrible it is and how unfair everything is, and, and if he is consistent with that bluster. Then he would want it televised. Well, I think, uh, yeah, yeah, Roger. I think she is just orders of magnitude, you know, orders of astronomical magnitude, more in, more intelligent than he. And she knows the law, and she knows what her prerogatives are within with what you know what's within her purview. So if the vote goes like two to one. I mean, I think I think she would probably weigh his uh, his his choice maybe a little more heavily than that of the government. But she well, but would. He's, al- he's caught between a rock and a hard place. Oh fuck yes! If he if he accepts and says yes, I want it televised to show the world that I'm innocent, <clears throat> which is his mindset, um, then. She goes, yeah, we're going to televise it. No, no sweat, no problem. And there's no room for him to make any kind of an appeal down the road that his his rights as a federal trial were violated because they changed the rules just for him and they televised the trial. And if he says no, I don't want it televised, then she can come back and say, well, I've given this a great lot of thought, but the American people do deserve. And we're going to televise it. So, I mean, he's kind of fucked with, no matter what he says. I, from, your, from your lips to God's ears. His, his ego is going to be the biggest problem in all of this, on all sides. He might want it televised because he wants to prove to the world he's in it because he's crazy enough to think it. But he won't want it televised because it'll bruise his fucking ego when they say you're a bastard and you're guilty. And he knows it. He's already talking to his people behind the scenes about what jail's going to be like for him. He fucking knows he's going. He'll never say yes to an open trial and video. Never. You don't think so? No, not for a fucking second. He's a fucking coward. He knows he's going to jail. Well, you've got more faith than I do, Jeremy. I think he's gonna, the worst he's going to get is home detention at Mar-a-Lago. He's not going to get home detention. It's not going to fucking happen. And here's why. Even Glenn Kushner will say this. Because it, it it can't happen. Because if we do that, it'll basically be him 
ordering Moe's or fast food and watching fucking TV news internet is not going to happen. He may not go to a prison like you and I want to think he is, but it will be a secure facility where he will be secured. He will not have common access to things like people normally do. Something has to be done. It would be like Magneto. Basically, yes. It'll be like like, the place they sent uh, um, uh, Nixon's people to serve their time. It wasn't a real jail with murders and shit, but it's a secure area, like a a military prison or something. He will be locked down. He's done. He's going away. The name for it is Club Fed. And thanks to Letitia James, he may not have Mar-a-Lago to serve his time at anyway. You think he knows how to play chess like Magneto? No. He can't, can't, he can't count to ten when one play chess. Oh. Plastic Prison. That was a good movie. Well, somebody posted that they ought to revitalize Alcatraz and put him there. And I said, yeah, that's, you know, that's quite possible. That they've got the big play yard they can turn into a putting green. And there's all kinds of trails all around the island that he can drive a golf cart around. <laughs> yeah, and he can talk to the ghosts of Al Capone and everybody yeah. else. The bird, <sighs> the bird man. But I feel sorry for the Secret Service personnel that had to spend the night. But remember, that can always be withdrawn in favor of the... Uh, um, jail guards. The, yeah, the prison guards. I, I, I don't see having Secret Service uh, detail as being an impediment to incarceration. And there's no need for a circuit, sir, Secret Service detail if he's held inside a secure facility. Well, even if he has to have a Secret Service, though, that's easy too. Assign a guy who's done 29. 39 years, get ready to retire, give him that a shift, eight hours a day, trade off, three times a day, some guy getting ready to retire, desk job. It's been a while since we talked about the artist, former, uh, the artist formerly known as Kanye, now known as The. You might recall that The lost his Adidas contract when he called for, uh, when he, he said he might go Death Con 3 on Jewish people. Well, the New York Times has dug around for a while, and they found that, well, he's been that way since at least 2013. In a design meeting with Adidas at the head, at their headquarters in Germany in 2013, the said that he wasn't happy with a, a proposed shoe design, and he modified it by taking a marker and drawing a swastika on the design, as one does. <laughs> Hold on. As one does. Kanye was controlled until around 2013 by meds and doctors. He was under supervision 
because his mom was alive. When his mom died, his cheese slid off his crack. He's not on medications. He's obviously mentally ill. Not that it's an excuse, but that's what this is. It's no different than this guy, although he hasn't killed people yet. No different than the shooter guy. Off his cracker. So, did you know I was about to sign on, and you decided to start talking about the simple motherfucker? Actually, no, no? I didn't, but uh, there, there's... Uh, but wait, it's a Ginsu commercial, Tracy. Wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. After he did that with the swastika on the design, he looked at uh, uh, John Wexler who at the time was the global director of entertainment and influencer marketing for Adidas, and who also happens to be, well, Jewish. Oh. He said, you need to kiss a picture of Hitler every day. Oh. Oh. But the thing is, in 2013, Adidas was like, you know, this is going to make us a lot of money. So they do. So the red flags were were out waving long before. It was yeah. There were there was more red flags with him than a parade in a parade in Pyongyang. Okay. Right, that part. And the, but see, that's what they get. That see, this is the the whole thing. The shit that comes back and bites you in your ass, right there, right up there to West asshole, what Moon, whatever his name was, head of CBS who famously said that, you know, Trump is bad for the country. He's basically bad for the country, but he's great. Good for, for great so, for CBS, yeah. Right. Now, uh, let's and, see. In 2016, Tracy. Oh, good. Uh, okay. Oh, well, they uh, Adidas doubled down with the, and they did so knowing that he was becoming more anti-Semitic by the day. And Adidas executives even knew in 2018 that he wanted to name his new out upcoming album Hitler. <laughs> somebody talked him out of it eventually. Maybe it was Candio or somebody. But he named it The, you know, Y-E. Candio, well, like I, I, I just had a conversation with my brother. You don't have to be white to be a white supremacist, and you don't have to be a man to be a misogynist. Yeah, but there is always Uncle Ruckus. I just read an article about um, they were uh, about our our girl Candy O, and the uh, the writer made a, a distinct comparison between um, not just but a comparison between him. And Candy O and Uncle Ruckus, uh, these people who hate themselves so much and just, you know, put white people in such great esteem. Like, I think Uncle Ruckus was like, he didn't even consider himself black. He considered himself a white man with a skin condition. Mm-hmm. Wow. And like, and like the movie, there's a, sh- a show that's on... Um, Hulu, they uh, called the other black girl, but I call it the autobiography of Candace Owens. So you guys have to watch it because it's basically about black people who convince themselves that in order to become better human beings or acceptable or 
what have you have to make have have to become as close to white or white adjacent as they can and it is pretty fucking creepy but just watch it it's 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 very telling and like i tell i think i told robin years ago when we said about self-loathing and all that i said as much as i hated myself back in the day and the only thing i wanted to be when i was a little girl was a blonde hair blue eyed white girl because i saw nothing beautiful about being black I never hated myself enough to ever vote Republican. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, I, I mean, of course, I had no idea at the time because of white supremacy and the lie that it is and me thinking that because I was a dark skinned person, a dark skinned woman, I was less than. And it took, you know, that's the, the whole thing of the miseducation of the Negro. Why? Because of all centuries generations of being told that you're less than and believing it it takes a, it takes a lot it takes a lot to be cut to to um, become unbrainwashed it really does unfortunately for people like Candace Owens and Kanye and Michael Steele and uh, you know, what's his name is dead uh, and what's his name Ben Carson and you know, when you start making a list, there are a lot of them, aren't there? Yes. You left yes. out. You, you left out yes. your homeboy Jesse Lee. Oh, Jesse Lee Peterson. Who is? Oh. No. Well, yeah, after you know. n- knowing what we know about him now, he's Jesse Lee Peterson. Give you, baby. You got to give yourself a cowboy for that one. Well, that, thank you. I will. That's, that's, <laughs> And what's his name? And uh, uh, E, E, and don't let's not forget E W Jackson and E uh, W uh, Jackson. Jackson. So I feel bad for people like that because it just it's it just shows the pervasiveness pervasiveness of white supremacy and racism and self loathing within the black community. I'm actually reading a book called it's an amazing book um, by Dr. Amos N. Wilson. He was basically one of the black, first black psychologists. Um, he, um, and it's called the, the Psychology of Self-Hatred and Self-Defeat Towards the Re- Reclamation of the African Mind. And African is spelled with a K because there's no C in the African language. So that part. And it just talks about if you don't know who you are and where you come from and the, um, the, the what it is to be black and being able to live in this country as a black person and not lose your fucking mind, you have to become aware of who you are. But if you've never been taught that, how the hell are you supposed to know? If you grew up thinking that slave, you know, I because I had no, you know, growing up watching movies like Gone with the Wind and The Little Foxes, not The Little Foxes, uh, Jezebel, but yeah, The Little Foxes, um, and all these movies about that, you know, that, that wasn't so much about slavery, but then the, the movies where the white people were in blackface and the happy Negroes, you know, 
Why would I think anything? I'm like, well, slavery wasn't could have been that bad. <laughs> because why would I see these images? It must not have been that bad. And then I saw Roots in the 70s, and I'm like, and that that shit was mild in comparison to what slavery really was. So why would I know anything other if I'm not educated? And if my parents didn't educate, it, educate me, and I sure as fuck wasn't going to get that information in elementary school district. I mean, the whole thing is the breadth of my black, my black history in, when I was in elementary school through high school was we were enslaved, Lincoln freed us, and then motherfuckers came. And that was it. That was the entirety of what I learned about black sex. So how are you supposed to how are you supposed to know? Yeah, there's a, there's a few gaps in there. Oh, Rosa Parks? Emmett Till. <laughs> Emmett Till. The Freedman's uh, Bureaus. Freedman's Bureaus. Um Let's see the the Pullman um, work, you know the Pullman strike, Randolph, Pullman strike, uh, the Black Panthers for the Black Panther Party for self defense people. There we go. I'm sorry, you mm. know not just the Black Panther Party. They, they, they conveniently leave off about the self defense the self defense part. You know when you find out. That the, the, that the California laws change as far as gun, you know, guns or being able to carry um, rifles open out um, when the Black Panthers rolled up a Ronnie Reagan when he was governor of California, and all of a sudden the NRA and all these folks we have now we have gun control in California, Robbie. Of course. Funny how that shit happened. Funny how that happened, isn't it? Curiouser and curiouser. Curiouser and curiouser. I'm sorry for high. I'm just sorry. I just hijacked the conversation. No, that's quite all right. My bad. Hey, can, I, me. can I add a little bit? Please um, do, David. To what Tracy was saying. So I'm, I'm half black and half white. My dad is um, black, and my mom is from was from Mississippi, and I have never met anybody on my mom's side of the family because she made a uh. family. So, um, it, and, and I grew up in San Diego, California, which is pretty affluent compared to the Mississippi. Right. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> um, but we, my family was never uh, affluent. Um, but being, being disconnected from kind of both sides of my family for the most part, because a lot of my people were back in, in Gary during my childhood, I had to seek out information about my, my black heritage, um, mm -hmm. it wasn't readily available in school. And How old are you? I'm I'm 40 now. Okay. Um. So, and it's hard for me too, having come to school, law school in Oregon, because there are maybe five or six other black people on campus. Mm-hmm. And 
we're not talking about any of the any of the legal structures that have brought about this nightmare. Mm-hmm. And it's really, really difficult, and it's been difficult for me just trying to learn independently and getting sidetracked by by bullshit and getting sidetracked by um, stuff that isn't true and then trying to find my way back to what is true and what is real. And um, Well, you know what, uh, David? I will give you my cell phone number. I guess I can put it in the chat. And I can send you, and you, or you can send me your number, whatever. I can, I can send you, give you information on some books that really help me along my journey or the journey that I'm still on. Um, because hell, I didn't learn a lot. I just literally did not learn most of this stuff until I was in my forties when I went back to school. Cause I had no clue. And the first time I had a professor to tell the first time I heard this phrase that race is just a construct. And I, I, I history mind blown. And I'm for you know, so I I can't even imagine. I mean, I can't imagine because I've been there. And then once you get over the anger of the shit that we did not learn that we should have learned. And how I, we learned that that you know through things like manifest destiny and all of this shit was a lie. And when I, especially now, when I hear the bullshit and the rhetoric about when they start talking about educating children about queer queer history and black history and anything other than white people, and say that, oh, if you try this, it's indoctrination, when we have been indoctrinated our entire lives. True. With the, with the lie that is American history. And, so it, it, and when, I, when I found out that um, not only is it a construct, but it was a construct created, a social construct created specifically to justify... Racism. Racism and slavery. Mm-hmm. Um, That's all it's for, and it's it, like you said, it is it is maddening, and it and it does make me angry. And part of the reason why I get so frustrated sometimes is because is because of that be, that feeling of having been lied to, right? Because mm-hmm. I took I took AP American History in high school, you know, and but we never touched on anything other than, well, this is the date when this battle happened, and then, then um, this person was elected here, and, and so I had the framework of American history, but I didn't have the reality of American history. You had uh, white mean, American history. American history. Well, the, the biggest, I, I think the biggest lie, the biggest, like, what the fuck, was when I learned, because, you know, they called Lincoln the Great Emancipator. And now that we, you know, but he did not want, the, the only reason why, you know, the Civil War and all, it wasn't because he wanted to free the slaves, but he had to, be, I mean, Robin, you, you're, you know, like I said, you're the. Oh, he won the Civil War. You know, the, the Noah of words, the Queen of Words and, and shit like that. You're also the Queen of History and shit like that there. 
so you know better than me. But when I found, you know, all the stuff that I have been learning and learned since, you know, 1971, when I went to, when I was in kindergarten, all the way into 1984, when I graduated from high school, that's a lot of shit to unlearn, man. That's a ton. To be fair... Be fair, not biased, and I mean this in the nicest way possible. It wasn't just African Americans were denied this. All students were denied this. I'm older than David, and I want to find a shit out of people. It isn't just you guys. It's us, too. Yeah. But that's the problem. And therein lies the problem. It's the fact that, if, you know, who was that person? Who wrote the People's History? Uh, Howard Zinn. Oh, Howard Zinn. Right. That book should be required reading for every kid, just fucking every American that has, that's conscious and that, you know, that cares and wants to know more. But when you learn the people's history of this country, I mean, when, if I heard, I was watching, I was visiting my friend today, um, have a good friend that I don't know how much longer he's going to be with us. He has liver cancer. And he's going to definitely need a transplant. And so, but we were, he said, Cedars, and we're sitting there watching that Turner, Turner Classic Movies um, is part of the cable package at Cedars, you know. So we were watching some, you know, old, old Warner Brothers movies, and they were doing, there was a, doc, a, a mini documentary about the representation of black people. And we were, because I didn't, I wasn't facing the TV, and he's like, oh, my God. And I looked up, and there was, you know, they're showing these people, you know, talk about the history of blackface in 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 cinema. And so when you have people who are still to 2023, still try, not knowing why blackface is problematic, we got a lot of work to do. It's, 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 and, and it's not just black, white people, but there's black people who don't get why blackface is a problem. Yeah. By the way, I got a note, uh, since we were talking about the, got a note in from Clarence. Hey, Clarence. Hey, Clarence. Subject line, the, you gotta be shitting me. What the fuck? This brother from (laughs) Chicago has a serious mental problem. There has to be someone in the rap industry who'll do an intervention and help this brother. You, They've you, tried. They've tried. You can only help those who want it. And well, he don't want it. He don't want it. Diddy has tried. Uh, 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 Jay-Z has tried. But, who, like, whoever, when his mother died, I mean, because he was already, you know, teetering on the edge anyway. When his mother was alive, but when his mother died, he it it was just like you say, he stopped taking his meds, stopped going to therapy, and then you know he got you know then we got the Kardashians who you know okay I'm not going to say that they're vulture culture culture vultures and that they are the appropriation queens, but they have they have they and I'm not saying they don't. <laughs> You wouldn't be wrong. 
I don't, you know, I try not to say, think that they fetishized, you know, mixed race, mis, mis, mixed ethnicity children, because again, race is a construct. Um, because I, I know firsthand, I have a really dear friend whose mother got with a black man and she was white and was mad that my friend wasn't darker when she was born. Literally said that her, she could have walked off the plantation because of how light skinned she is. And this is coming from her mother. Wow. I am not. I'm not saying that the Kardashian women don't love their, 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 their children, but there's this thing. This is like this whole. They have spawned a whole thing about mixed ethnicity babies, and they're to me, it's like they're accessories. It it is a thing. And and the sad, scary thing is what happens. If when the children are born, as evidenced by my friend, her mother who said this to her, if the baby is a child, doesn't come out the way that they think this should come out as far as their, their aesthetics. Or if the phenotypes are just, if they're too light or God forbid, too dark, or they may have kinky hair, you know, it's, if they if they don't get the good, if they don't get the, the good genes, if they get too much of the black genes, you know what I mean? It is a thing, y'all. It is a thing. Oh, without a doubt. So uh, we got about half an hour left in the program, and if we could bring in 185 bucks, we would at least be funded for last uh, this past Monday. We entered the program basically a broadcast week behind, but 185 bucks gets Monday funded if anybody would like to help. Um. Two more days remain uh, broadcast-wise in October. Um, so, you know, everything we can bring in reduces the deficit for this month. So, there we are. Um, Uh, Stephen, New York, I got your I got your message, and yes, it was. Your challenge was met. Hey, Robin, I wanted to ask you. I don't know how actively you use it, but it's being used actively on, on Bob Seska's Patreon page. They've added a chat room to all the groups now, right? So there might be people talking to you in that chat room that don't have access to the program here. Uh, I don't know. Um, I probably should look and see. Um, and, you know, I'm over. See, it all gets so complicated, Jeremy. It's interesting you would raise this. Um, Patreon is all the time sending me uh, notifications. Hey, do do something special for your Patreon supporters. And, I mean, I'm one of the last people doing three hours a day. And one of the only people doing three hours a day just basically with no staff. 
you know, we talk about the all-volunteer staff and so forth, but and and that's a lot of help, and I appreciate everything everyone does. You know, the News Ninjas, Brother Deacon Asa, Roger, uh, Brother Bishop Steve in Georgia stand. But if I do, I feel like... I feel, I feel like if I do for one group, I need to make it pot, make it for all. And I don't know how. I don't know how to add more content in the time that, that in the time that we have. So you know, ideas. I don't know. Um, I'm open to them, but it's it, it's just well. Suffice to say, it's a challenge. And uh, just in terms of uh, things, <laughs> you know, we tend we tend to forget that uh, D.C., Florida, Manhattan, and Georgia aren't the only places where nitwit Nero's in court. And so, uh, one of the places he's in court is the state of Colorado. He is. Uh, there's a lawsuit out there. Being brought not by Democrats but by Republicans, mind you, to keep him off the ballot in Colorado, and it's being brought by Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington, and they have plenty of money and plenty of good and plenty of lawyers. And so, uh, as a last-ditch effort, his petty foggers in Colorado asked the Colorado Supreme Court to just. Throw out the case. And the Supreme Court of Colorado said, no, no, we're, we're not going to do that. Uh, you, your motion is denied and overruled. I, th- I thought they said kick rocks, motherfucker. Yeah, pan, uh, pound sand, some bitch. Right. So it looks that, like that, it, it looks it looks like there's going to be a trial. And if the trial comes out with a verdict saying he uh, because he he participated in and and fostered an insurrection on January 6, 2021, uh, that the 14th Amendment bars him from the ballot. That's going to be that'll be a case of first impression for the Supreme Court of the United States, and they will review it. Now, my money says that our most puissant dread sovereign supreme Catholic majesties will say, well, that only applied to the Civil War. When, in fact, the debate on that, on the 14th Amendment, specifically said, no, this doesn't just apply to the Civil War. But since when have, you know, facts mattered with this bunch. Robin, I have a question. Speaking of uh, you know, people who, you know, help with the insurrection, why aren't any of the people in Congress who we all know are insurrectionists, why haven't they been brought to trial or investigated or are they well we don't uh, we don't know that they haven't been investigated we don't know what investigations are still going on right that said however 
Some of it, I mean, there's there's a thing called legislative immunity, the speech and debate clause, among other things. So the shit they said in the will of the House or the will of the Senate, their actions therein, might be immune. Uh, the other stuff, I mean, some a lot of this falls under the under the general heading of. You got to be able to prove anything that you charge, and they're not going to take close cases to trial. And just because we think they're guilty does not mean that they are guilty beyond a reasonable doubt, which is a hell of a which which is a hell of a different thing. I want to want to take a moment though. Uh, I was up and watching my filthy morning habit today. And, and watching the evolution of Joe Scarborough has proven to be rather like a, a I don't know, like a cultural anthropology documentary. And, you know, for, well, ever, si- ever since January 6, 2021, we have said that one thing over and over and over again. Y'all, they're going to do it again. And it would seem that Joe has finally figured it out, and today it's like he finally put all the pieces together. Or, as we have noted from time to time, it's almost like he listens to the program has finally realized that we're not kidding here. We are so far out in front of the curve, it's like we're on straight road. Listen, tell me what you think. You really do have three parties in Washington, D.C. You've got the House Republicans. We've got the Senate Republicans who are more institutionalists, whether people like their policies or not. And then you have the Democrats. And with with Mitch McConnell and, you know, John Thune and Barrasso and the leadership there, there are two other institutionalists who, again, you know, John Roberts is like the ultimate institutionalist. People may not like on the left how how he he rules, but institutions come first for the most part. Um, And and that's the thing about the Senate. The Republicans uh, just like radicals uh, of the late 1960s and radicals in revolutionary France, they want to tear down every institution. They want to tear down the military. They want to tear down the FBI. They want to tear down American academia, tear down the college campuses. I mean, they've done everything but like go into college professors, uh, I mean, president's offices and take over offices at Columbia. They are the anti-institutionalists. They are the radicals that are the antithesis of what Edmund Burke and Russell Kirk said conservatives should be. But we're actually, we're going to be looking at Republicans in the Senate now, regardless of whether we agree with everything they say or not, as the institutionalists that have to hold this thing together. And if they don't, God knows where we'll end up. I mean, we're talking about a speaker that has the power to try, and I I agree with Amanda and want to throw it back to her, uh, that he can disrupt just the process of necessary legislation next year, just by how he conducts business as the speaker. And, and I, I, uh, wonder 
if we are going to see Biden Trump uh, uh, fight too uh, in terms of a rematch. Well, what happens if it's a close election? He's the speaker. Will he try to stop the certification yes. if Trump yes. loses yes. again? We can answer that I mean, question right we now. He already has. We need to raise that. We need to let America know that January <clears throat> 6th won't be outside this time if this guy. Why, why do you think Trump fought Emmer so much? Because he didn't go along with a lie. The conspiracy. So, yeah, they, I mean, these things are, are decided in the House, Willie. So Donald Trump has his guy. He has the anti-democracy guy sitting in the speaker's chair. I mean, I saw some press conference, just a clip where a reporter asked a question. Everybody uh, started screaming. Yeah. Yep. What are, I, I, I actually I almost said a word that I've said on this air a couple of times. I'll just say what fools. Who do they think we are? Who do they think America? Do they think Americans are that stupid? They're all election deniers up there. And they're mad at the press for bringing up the fact that Donald Trump now has his tool to move us towards an autocratic state where democratic elections don't matter. He's already done it. He led the charge to overturn a presidential election. So, yeah, we know what's going to happen. And we know all of these presidential elections end up in the House. Donald Trump's thinking, I got this. And election denialism has been so normalized and accepted as a part of now Republican culture or Trumpist culture, yeah. we, we can say, that when a simple question is asked, based on your history, new Mr. Speaker, do you believe Joe Biden's the president of the United States? The reporter is booed, literally booed by members of Congress. One woman standing next to Johnson told her to shut up, shouting at the reporter, boo, you know, you're living in the past. All the rest of it. No, we're so, we're actually we're worried about the future. Yeah, and that's and that's the uh, we uh, we have the bite. Let's listen to it. Yeah. Johnson, you helped lead the efforts to overturn the 2020 election results. Oh God! Next question. Saying shut up. Mm-hmm. Saying shut up. Put a mirror in front of your face. You shut up. I mean, these people call her by name, Virginia Fox. Democracy. We saw it. You served with her, Joe. And Willie, and then they're shocked. The question, why are they shocked? Because they don't want to talk about it. Right. Because they're already planning. They've already got this figured out. They've got Donald Trump's guy in there and they're going to steal this election in the House of Representatives with this speaker who led. You say, shut up, we're not gonna shut up. You shut up. If you, if, if you wanna overturn American democracy, we don't wanna hear what you have to say. So keep it to yourself. But we'll never shut up. Because these are the people that tried to end the American experiment because their guy didn't win. Because a failed reality TV show host didn't win. So that, th- those are the stakes. That's really what's happened. Donald Trump has found the guy that will gladly pave the way to an autocracy where democratic elections don't matter. It's no coincidence that Mike Johnson is in there. Donald Trump wants him in there. And Donald Trump's guys and women in the House helped put him there. They ran Kevin McCarthy out of office and they got the most MAGA person that they could find. He did everything but say, y'all, they're going to do it again. And then he and then he said, they're going to do it again. 
That was some pretty good stuff right there. Yeah. But the funny thing is, he did not, you know, that, that was video of the, shut up! Well, the old Biddy yelling, shut up! Was one of his former colleagues in the house. Virginia Double X Fox is 80 years old. And she has been a toxic piece of crap from the minute she arrived. Let's see. Let's just look her up real quick. Well, while you're doing that, the present Speaker of the House may or may not be the Speaker next January 6th. Congress convenes on January 3rd, and the new leadership gets selected. And if the House flips back to Democrats, it, there'll be a Democratic Speaker of the House, Hakeem Jeffries. So well, that's this true. Thing, this whole thing about he, Trump now has the man he needs there for the next election totally forgets the fact it'll be a different Congress. Okay, I was I misspoke. I misspoke. Uh, okay. uh, Joe left Congress in 2001, and Virginia Double X Fox got to Congress in 2004. But I, I, I find it difficult to believe that he doesn't uh, didn't know her. And, and you got to call that shit out. Just saying. The the um, I, I'm wondering when the the institutionalists, as Joe called them, are going to get around to realizing that. Because included in, in my mind, included in that institutionalist um, group is the big money and corporate backers of the traditional big money and corporate backers of the Republican Party. And so I wonder when they're going to get around to realizing that supporting any of these people for any of the offices in the house or are not going to, it's not going to be good for business, right? It, do they really want a Stalin type? I'm sorry. I, um, a Putin type figure skimming 20%, 30% off the top, you know, Author, authoritarian, uh, David, authoritarians always want a daddy and they don't care how much he steals as long as he's daddy. And so I, I would think that their rational substances would be to, um, and all of this because it's bad for their business. I hope they realize that. They don't care. They don't see it's they don't care because they have power. They don't care because they still could have convinced that no matter who they are or where they are in the status of their whatever they're white people. They are holding on to the power of their whiteness with everything that they have. I think I told you about the book, Robin, Dying of Whiteness, or Dying, 
it was basically this guy, I think he was a physician, went down south and talked to, you know, poor white people who are collectively voting against their own self-interest. And the only thing that they have going for them is that they're white. They don't care that they don't have dental care or medical. They don't care that they could be fired at any time from their jobs. They don't care that they're being paid shit wages. They don't care. They don't care, you know, they could be, I think Chris Rock, and you know, I don't like him, but anyway, I think he tells the joke about as rich as he is, they, there are white people who still don't, they rather him be poor as dirt didn't give up their whiteness if they had a chance to be as rich as he is. Well, uh, but was it was it LBJ? Who was it that said, um, if you can convince the poorest white man that he is better than the best black man, you can have his vote forever or something like that? Something like that, right. I mean, it, part of me wants to think that was LBJ, but probably not. Hell, it might have been well, James, it might have been James Baldwin. I mean, I, I don't know. The research well, there, department will get right after that. There was a, a kind of similar quote when um, that MLK was talking about with Jim Crow and how people were trying to um, say, you know, that white people shouldn't be held accountable. Southern white people at the time um, shouldn't really because of Jim Crow and how they've been fooled into believing this and blah, blah, blah. But basically, King said, but all that aside, Jim Crow, they feed on Jim Crow. They said when their, their, stuff, their kids were hungry, they still fed on Jim Crow. When they had no jobs, they still fed on Jim Crow. And so this belief, and I, I saw it firsthand. I had never I experienced anything like this um, I went out when I was in Oklahoma City um, years ago. This is and this is the before time. This is before Trump. And my mom and I were in Oklahoma City. We were driving from um, Oklahoma to LA. We were doing the Route 66 thing. And I, she was at the gas pump, and I was walking down the convenience store at the gas station. And Bubba and Maybelline and Marveline and they keep and. You know, and some of the camp folks, because they all share. Bubbling, really? Bubbling. <laughs> and so they pull up in their big old F, you know, big truck with the wheels and stuff. And in polite society, the person, you let the person who's walking out walk out. And then when, then when they walk out, you proceed to walk in. Well, as I was walking out, they were walking in and they gave me. This look, like, and I'm going to say it, but it's like, nigga, bitch, what the fuck are you doing? And remember where I'm from. I'm from L.A. I've never experienced anything like this. And I was about to say, when you pull far, you motherfucker didn't leave. My mother, who at that point had lived down south for, let's see, this was because Obama was still president. So I think it might have been 2010. And or 20, I don't remember, but he was still president because, like I said, before time. And she saw what was about to jump, you know, jump off. And in a split second, I realized where I was. Now, I didn't back down, of course, but I kind of changed my stance because 
I, you know, I was somewhere where they lynch motherfuckers for fun. And people come up missing. And so I had to, and I was definitely outnumbered. So I took a beat, but it just, it, it, for someone who's never experienced anything like that, it, 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 it was scary. And so, but here I, you know, but it was that, that look that they gave me, like, how dare you be in our, how dare you breathe the same air that we breathe? How dare you look us in the eye? How dare you not step aside and let us, uh, uh, our whiteness proceed? You knuckle, what do you call it? Knuckle breathing, uh, whatever you Knuckle say. breathing, mouth walking, picking their teeth with their toenail clippings, yeah. Those people. And here I am, nicely dressed and all this, but it didn't matter, sis. It did not matter because I was black. And, you know, like I said, growing, I had never experienced anything like that in my life. And at that point, I was definitely like late 30s, early 40s. So, you know, so these are the people who we're dealing with, sis. These are the people who we're dealing with. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I need to send out some thanks. Uh, thanks to Ralphs and to Kevin and to Jude. We have gone from 185 or from 1385 to 1305. So we're $105 away from being funded for this past Monday. Uh, if we did, if we did another 105 bucks, at least we'd still only be a week behind when Monday happens. So thank, uh, thanks Kevin and thanks Ralphs. And thanks, Jude. Uh, let's see here. Uh, just taking a quick peep at email. Uh, Clarence said, yeah, it was LBJ. You can empty their pockets. Right. And, uh, I found the... Oh, go ahead. And, and uh, Jude, with a note, said, as I'm listening to the dialogue flow with each of you, Tracy's voice reminds me of where I had to endure my high school years. Yes, Palos Verdes High School the years from 1963 to 1966. In my entire growing childhood, I was taught in parochial schools, St. Anne's till 8th grade, St. Leo's High School for Girls. In the beginning of my sophomore year, we moved to Palos Verdes to live with my sister. Far too long a story. My point is, Jude said that, not me. My point is the connection with others from a so-called distance as Tracy was married in Palos Verdes at a resort where my nephew was a chef. And those years for me at that affluent high school rendered me longing to be invisible. In my early sophomore year, the bell would ring and I would stand for prayer. Simply wanted to offer my thoughts to all, notably Tracy. Take care, community. Warmly, Jude. Thank you, Jude. Mm. Yeah, that I whole quote, that right whole there. wanting to disappear thing is That's sad. very real. It's kind of like the kick I got... Um, last weekend when I used an AI engine to take selfies that I had shot in the last couple of years and the AI took them and regressed them and showed me what I would have looked like as a young woman and it was freaking amazing and I posted some of them on Facebook, Instagram, that kind of thing and I've seen where some people said, oh, uh, I couldn't possibly stand to do that. The dysphoria would be too, too strong. I, I got no dysphoria out of it. It's like, 
ah, you know, maybe there's an alternate universe where that's how it plays out. And it was a tremendous relief to me. So, yeah, I, 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 I get what you're talking about, Jude. Yeah, I'm sorry, Tracy, you were saying? No, there's a, before I forget, because you know my brain, there's a song, um, the movie, the great greatest movie ever made in black movie history, Claudine, with the amazing, the late great um, Diane Carroll and um, and uh, James Earl Jones, and it's about a black woman in the inner cities um, who's raising all these kids. But there's a song, and the soundtrack is is written by Curtis Mayfield and sang by Gladys Knight and the Pips. If you guys ever get a chance, anybody that has Apple Music, you can find it. But anyway, there's a song, "To Be Invisible." And to hear, if you listen to those words, it is is everything that anybody who has been othered has ever felt in that song. Whenever I hear the song, I cry because it's just that that song says encompasses everything that anybody who has been othered has ever felt. But that quote that I was looking for, um, of course, now okay. So this is what he said about Jim Crow. And he ate Jim Crow. And when his undernourished children cried out for the necessities that his low wages could not provide, he showed them the Jim Crow signs on the buses and the stores and on the streets and the public buildings. So this is, you know, but basically he's like, uh, uh-uh, uh, we're not, we're not going to give y'all a pass. Because remember back, was it the 2020 no, or the 2016 election, and um, both Elizabeth Warren. And I believe Bernie Sanders was trying to give these white people a pass for being the racist pieces of shit that they are by saying that they were fooled into being this way. And maybe at some point it could have been, you know, like when the the Irish became white because they got the vote. Because, you know, for those people like us that know our history, that up until when, when the only reason why they gave white people who were not land, you know, white male landowners, the vote is because they started seeing rumblings that people forming coalitions. It's like, we got to stop, we got to stop this shit and stop it now. We just got to really do something about that. Hence, that's how, you know, the Irish became white and blah, 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 blah. But just the, just those words saying, look, I'm, and they were using it as a king quote. I'm like, no, King didn't give them a pass. He's basically saying, y'all know, y'all know what you're doing. Y'all know when you when you when you have the Confederate flag uh, in front of your houses, and when you having that what did you say that urine state colored flag with the stake on it flying about, and all these other things. Don't step on snack. Right. So when you when you guys are saying, well, it's just our heritage. No, motherfucker, it's your traitors, treasonous motherfuckers and that part it's not your culture, it's just who you are, that's what they are but (laughs) what is that line from um, uh, whatever happened to baby Jane (laughs) and Joan Crawford famously says if I wasn't in the chair, in this chair and Betty Davis is like but you are Blanche, you are you know, but you are racist, you are that part. Exactly. 
Uh, let's see. Well, I, I, uh, one last thing from the Department of G. I, do, I hope it doesn't hurt too little. This is going to be awkward. Precious Princess Iwanka, my daddy Trump Kushner, is going to have to testify against her daddy. And there's no privilege. ABC News reporting that her effort to uh, bail out or duck or run away from a subpoena demanding her appearance in front of Justice Arthur and Goron in Manhattan uh, has flopped. And so Justice Ngoron said, I want to see her in person. That's how we prefer testimony around here. But he said, I will give her time to appeal. And uh, So once she appeals, she'll be toast. Yeah. And uh, her testimony is viable and valid. She's uh, she she was let out on statute. She was let out of the lawsuit on the statute of limitations charge, but she still uh, owns properties in New York and does business in New York. So the new state of New York has a right to subpoena her, and she was actually the lead on uh, working with lenders for the tacky ass hotel that he put in the old post office building in Washington D.C. And the pettifoggers, who are so bad, said, Oh, she she's a resident of Florida now. She shouldn't have to show up. Justice in Goron wasn't having any of it. He said, Ms. Trump owns property in New York and has done business in New York. Show up. This... Uh, I wish that t- I wish that trial was on the electric TV box. I just do. At any rate, I got to get out of here. The back porch will proceed or continue after this broadcast concludes. Thanks everybody for participating this evening and making for another rousing Friday roundtable front porch conversation. And thanks to all of our Patreon and PayPal subscribers. Thank you to our a la carte contributors this evening who got us down as far as you did. It was most helpful, and and we all do appreciate it. Thank you uh, to each and every one of you who shares your precious finite time engaging in the program in whatever manner you so choose. Thanks to our all-volunteer staff. Uh, I'm glad you got your cider pressing done uh, in time to participate in the conversation, Roger. Thank you very kindly. And, uh, well, thank you to our news ninjas, and thank you, Brother Deacon Asa. Again, thank you for saving uh, saving the program last night. I, I cleared out some more space on the uh, C drive, so that shouldn't come up again anytime soon, I hope. I think there's about 70 gigs left on it right now. Remember, like and subscribe to the podcast, please. Subscribe on a couple of different platforms. That way, if one fails to take the feed for some reason or another, uh, you can always get notified somewhere else. Comments really help. It raises the visibility of the program, and really appreciate those of you who do take time to do so. 
appreciate everybody who participates. Thank you. Love hearing from you. Thank you, John Fox in Australia. Thank you, Ben Birch, WhiteRoseSociety.org. Thanks to the hardest working, bravest people I know, the folks at Coal River Mountain Watch, CRMW.net, 20-plus years at the forefront of the struggle for human rights and environmental justice in Appalachia, and a proud union shop. Please stay safe. Get your boosters. Get your flu shot. Get your RSV vaccine. Wear your mask when you're in among large groups of people, especially maggots. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Use your hand sanitizer. Carry it with you, pocket or purse, wherever you may go. Maintain your social distance. And if uh, we didn't get to the story, but if Marginal Trailer Queen comes toward you saying, that Rashida Tlaib is an insurrectionist, avoid her like the plague, because of course she is. And always, 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 Gina, it's all for you. Love you, Wayne. Have a great weekend, everybody. Later.